Warning, this podcast features adult subject matter, adult language, and things not meant for children to hear. Viewer discretion is advised. You've been warned. Hola, hola, como estas? Buenas noches. Mi amo es midre. Sorry about that. Had the SAP button on. Welcome. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the I'm No Joe podcast, the show where every armchair quarterback can feel like an Eddie Bravo. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to this latest of episode. Under these crazy circumstances we are living in these days, we are here for your source of all punchy, kicky shenanigans. We will help you through these crazy times we are living in. And to help me do that, I've got a wonderful pair of folks here to help me this evening. First and foremost, the freshest guest a man could ask for, Mr. Fresh 03 himself. How are you doing this evening, good sir? Doing all right. Doing all right. Got a nice little nap in this afternoon, so I'm ready. Ready to face the world. Nice. Good deal. And then, as it were, more often than not, across the octagon from me, my Wednesday night compatriot, my combat shit-talking homeboy, the one and only golf he vapes himself. How you doing, sir? Before I answer that, I just want to know what the fuck is a nap? Who gets those? Uh, people uh, have... the, the single guy with no kids. Yeah, I was going to say it. I think it's a requirement to not have small children running around your house. Well, guess I'm fucked, but uh, <laughs> I know. I'm excited. Fucking shit starting to pile into a very large ball that's just going to explode in fucking greatness. And Indeed. I'm excited. Indeed. Indeed. So, as has been said to me by folks smarter than myself, before we get into this shit, I should tell these fine folks where they can find more content. If this is your kind of thing, your cup of tea, as it were, we are on just about every social media platform as I'm No Joe. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Mixer, we strum some video games from time to time at Mixer slash I'm No Joe. If you want to support the channel and everything we do here, Patreon.com slash I'm No Joe. And if, understandably, these... Instagram influencer level faces are just too goddamn distracting for you, but you still need to process that information that we give you. Fret not, mon ami. You can also find the all audio version available at anchor.fm slash I'm no Joe. So with that out of the way, we have got a very, very uh, potentially great, show for you this evening i guess would be a good word for it here uh we have had a small slew of announcements in the world of combat sports um as well as a couple of things from last weekend that we will touch on real quick here um first and foremost probably the most uh important announcement part of the reason for the namesake of this particular episode part of what we're going to be doing this evening um we did get an official announcement this week. The UFC is officially, officially back. Three dates. Never been done before in this style. Three dates, one week. They are going to dump all of the fights that we can handle on us. We have been given the dates of May 9th, next Saturday... May 13th, the following Wednesday, and then May 16th, that following Saturday night. Three nights, three events, one week, lots 
of fucking fights all down in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, they have officially declared the May 9th event to be the now rebooking of UFC 249. So what we're going to do this evening, since that's a lot of cards coming up in just a short period of time, what we're going to do tonight, after we go through our news and recent events here, we're going to go over a little bit about the UFC 249 card. That way, next week, if anything happens before then, we can give you updates and spend next week's show talking about the 13th and the 16th event, since everything will be crazy between now and then. So... Interesting news, we do have three confirmed UFC events on the horizon in Jacksonville. Um, the first one will be the UFC 249 rebooking. So, there, there is that to start out with. <laughs> Whether this is the, the best way to go about it or not, we will see. But Dana has also confirmed... Fight Island is still a thing. It is still happening. There are still, quote-unquote, infrastructures being built so that that can be a thing. That is apparently going to be a permanent thing that they are doing. And interesting little, uh, where did it go? Here it is. Caveat to that. Um, I did hear a story just yesterday. Um, I cannot confirm the source because they do not wish to be on record, but a source that is close to Dana White himself has said that if people do a little bit of Googling, you could find out that one of the newer, more prominent investors in the UFC these days is one motivational speaker, excuse me, by the name of Tony Robbins, who is a multi-billionaire who also has his own private island that as of a month and a half ago started getting lots of flights of supplies brought in and lots of new construction taking place right now that you can confirm on Google Earth if you are so inclined to do. Um, again, not a confirmation, just some food for thought. We now officially know that at least one person who has a viable stake in the UFC and a private island, and conveniently timed construction taking place on that island is a real thing. So as much as everyone wants to joke about Mortal Kombat, we might fucking be there. <laughs> we're, we're, getting, we're getting more and more pieces coming together. I mean... <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. They did already trademark the name, so fuck. Right? They trademarked Fight Island and UFC Fight Island. So, I mean, might as well make it worth it. It could be one of the coolest pay-per-view events the UFC has ever done, or series of pay-per-view events from what they're talking now. The Fight Island series? All I'm saying is, no fucking soup cans. This better not be where they move Contender Series to. I'll fucking riot. But, moving along from there, um, we found out this afternoon that uh, even though UFC 249 has now been moved to May 9th, even when it was still set originally for the April 18th Brooklyn deadline, once we had uh, Khabib run away and hide out in Russia... 
and it had been confirmed that it was going to still proceed as Ferguson versus Gaethje, Ferguson knew the whole time that, that this was the plan, but apparently Justin Gaethje never got the confirmation that the fight was a go and the fight was headlining the card until someone had sent him the poster that Dana released. They never officially told him that it was a go. They just said, well, your stuff is signed. You're, we'll let you know if everything's finalized. And then somebody sent him the poster with his fucking face on it. <laughs> so... That's a little bit weird, aside from how weird everything else about this card is. It's a little strange to hear that the guy who is half of the main event didn't know he was going to be the main event officially till after it had already been released and announced. So, I, I have this strange itching suspicion that he's blowing smoke up people's asses when he said that. Look... We've heard of the UFC doing some pretty shoddy shit like releasing people and not telling them they're released and having somebody else tell them they're released. Well, they're on promotion. Right. Yeah. But you already inked the contract. You know the fight's happening, period. The second you ink it, it's done. It's just a matter of to-be-determined place and time. Ordinarily. That that might be the part that he meant to tell everybody was, okay, they didn't tell me the place and time. Okay. Right. Still, you inked it, said you're going to fight him. Right. You start training like you mean it. If he was using it as a way to say, if I lose the fight, at least I have an out because I wasn't ready. Right. Maybe that's maybe that was his end goal because it was a technically short notice at first. But now because of the stop, he's had a chance for a full, full camp. camp. There's no yeah. fucking excuses. Well, I think ordinarily, uh, I would 100% agree. I think under the current circumstances that we're in, being as how we knew April 18th wasn't going to be 249, at least in Brooklyn, before April 18th got here, when Calabib got locked down, hiding out like a bitch weeks before that. Okay. So, I believe the term you were looking for is uh, Floyd Mayweather. There, that's that. I, it was right on the tip of my chickeny tongue. I couldn't quite okay. get to it. Um, but when when we knew weeks ahead that it wasn't going to be at least in Brooklyn there was that was still the point where brazil had just squeaked by with no one in the crowd and we still didn't officially know if we were going to get it on april 18th or not and i think at least to give him the benefit of the doubt that's kind of what it felt like when he said that they were still in talks of maybe having it maybe not having it maybe moving it not being able to move it not quite 100 percent sure and I think he was kind of rolling with the it's probably not going to happen and then they announced that it was still going to happen and he was taken by surprise. To continue to play the heel here on this one because this kind of shit pisses me off. Right, understandably. One, who the fuck is your management that's not doing what they're supposed to be? Uh, Two, the rat. Two, don't you, last time I checked, don't you have a social media account? You can check your shit. Stop with your bullshit. Well, that's all I'm saying. You if, have a if Ali team, lets him check his own stuff again. Okay, maybe his management team's running his social media, <laughs> but you know, from some of the shit I see posted, that's obviously his. Right. We're not. Even, I'm not even going to try to <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt on that one. Right. It's not worth it at that point. But no, there's more than enough reasons that he should have known. But you know what? I get it. 
sometimes shit happens. We're in strange times. Right. Let's just say this is part of a fucking weird, strange multiverse happening where some fucking shit happened over here. Right. But he didn't know it because he was in a different timeline. Right. He was too busy butterfly wing flapping over here. He was, he was too, oh, I, I, bet, I bet he was too deep in camp just in case. And no one actually told him that the camp was for something. Right. You know, he was just too busy training just, to make sure. Go. To yeah, take the down. Too, okay, yeah. I, I bet that's what happened. You know what it was? He moved his camp. To take this down a bit of a nerdy path, his training camp was moved to Fillory. And nobody had a way to get in contact with him because they ran out of rabbits. See? it's It all makes so much sense now. It's totally plausible. I get it. I get, sorry, Justin. We jumped the gun. We, we were Okay. My bad. On it. I, I'll retract my statements. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but moving along from there, a um, little bit of a, a recap from this last weekend's uh, submission underground 13. Uh, just a quick little top three rundown. If you didn't get a chance to catch that yet, holy shit. As these videos yeah. start to roll out, the Mandalorian I and the, I, I think he's got the whole thing up. The Mandalorian and I caught that live and we're just fucking dumbfounded at how quickly they managed to put that event on like as compared to a ufc event where you literally see them stall and buying time in between walkouts and in between announcements and you can literally feel a general ufc event at least the previous ones kind of drag on when the action isn't necessarily the the most exciting in between times that was not the case with Submission Underground 13. And Chael has actually come out to say that part of the agreement with these guys to put these events on during the reunion tour times we're living in is it's actually in the contract. You are not allowed to be in the building and to, until you are actually on deck and up next to, to compete. And once you have competed and your match is over, you have to leave the building, get in your vehicle, and then leave the premises immediately so they can keep the number of occupants below the the threshold they moved it felt like there was a metronome in the background just match move match move match move match move they were fucking cranking them out and it was a hell of a night of exhibitions and i will say more so than normal we we agreed as we were watching it Kind of knowing that Vinny and Craig were headlining, that two of the world's biggest leg lock aficionados were headlining the event was absolutely noticeable on the matches leading up to that because you saw guys who in previous matches would never be inclined to go for a leg lock just reaching for them left and right. There was almost a leg lock every single match. Calm down, dog. I know. It was exciting. Calm down. Calm down. See? But, uh... Top three rundown real quick here. Um, Zangief versus Jake went kind of exactly the way that we thought it was. Um, we've come to find out since then, a little bit of that was kind of Chael's fault. Because generally when they set these up, they try and keep everyone within a fairly close range, even though these are all open weight contracts. So you can show up on, on game day weighing whatever the fuck you like. It's all on you. But in the sense of fairness, Chael tries to keep everyone matched up fairly close in weight. Well, he had forgotten to check in with... Uh, Gabriel Checo over the last couple weeks because things had just kind of been crazy 
and just kind of assumed that at some point in time in the prep that the two camps would talk to each other and figure out what weight they were going to be close to and everyone would work themselves out. And I guess uh, Jake Ellenberger showed up about 180, 185 pounds-ish looking, you know, fairly lean, good, nice and in good shape. And then Gabriel Checo walked in with Vinny Magolais and they look like 245-pound twins. <laughs> so, aside from already being behind the eight ball going up against Zangief, the fucking craziest black belt on the show, he started that match down what Chael had estimated in hindsight to be about a 30 to 35 pound deficit on top of everything else. But to his credit, Ellenberger went out there and put on a hell of a fucking show, gave everything he had, but you could very much see it was kind of exactly what we thought it was going to be. Ellenberger came out and was trying to use strength and wrestling and more power than technique. And Zangief had that fucking crazy quick finesse and, and just, too smooth of a technique and Zangief did what Zangief does uh and that's where everything that we kind of predicted stopped and went out the window and and came back to Bizarro Land because when we get to Boogie Richie Martinez versus Mr. Van Zant nothing fucking makes sense anymore um it started out exactly like we thought it was going to be uh Austin came out and was very brutishly trying to bull in a China shop outstrength Richie, who he also had probably 30 pounds on. But Richie being Richie immediately put his ass on the ground and went, cool, you want to use strength? Bring it to my world, motherfucker. Let's see how your strength work. And surprise, it fucking didn't. But where Mr. Van Zant did get his advantage is that this match went to overtime and in overtime we go by EBI rules. So there's a series of back and forth exchanges and one person gets to determine who goes first. The other person gets to determine what position they start from. They start from a stopped seated position, either taken the back from a seated position or over the body for an armbar cross web position. Well, this is where Austin had his time to shine because in the first match, Boogie went to lock him up and he literally shoved off, got a quick out. Good on you. Then they roll it back and he gets Richie and as Richie's going to move and transition and try and set him up for a rubber grab, Austin caught him and locked him with a head and arm under the neck and just cinched it up too tight and Boogie gave him the tap. We saw Boogie Martinez get tapped by a brown belt who barely knows how to spell the word submission with cheat cards. <laughs> and uh, to to his credit, Boogie still being the fucking class act that he is, gave all the respect that he could to uh, to Austin, shook his hand, and you know admitted to the feed, gave him his moment and shit. But it was. I hate to use the term fluke because there's some other things that we'll talk about later that it'll apply way more to, but it was very, very generously, generously given in the odds of, uh, of ratios. I would say the percentage of that happening any other time or that being a planned thing happening, very, very slim, but he won. 
He tapped Boogie. So, like I said, despite how I feel about people, credit is where credit is due. And he got the tap. So, Mr. Van Zant got his win. Which brings us to the craziest match ever that the grappling world waited in bated breath to see unfold. And, again, started kind of exactly how we all thought it was gonna. They were was a little bit of a, a feeling out process, not much, and then, sure the fuck enough, it went to the ground and Craig was trying to take Vinny's fucking leg home with him. And we couldn't really see it so much in the moment. In the moment, what we see is they're on the ground, they're locked up, Craig's going at Vinny's ankle, Vinny's grabbing one of Craig's ankles, they're rolling back and forth, they're rolling back and forth, they stop. The referee's still 10 feet away. He didn't stop him. They just stopped. They kind of look at each other, you see him say something, and then they kind of go back into it. Like, they were having a little conversation and go back at it. And they're rolling again, and they roll over, and they roll over, and then they stop. And then they, they call over the they call the referee over, and the referee walks over to the two of them and turns around and then calls the match off, says it's over. Everybody's like, what, what, what the fuck just happened? And then we get the slow motion replay, and we get to talk to the two of them, and we get to see what happens. And in the heat of the exchange of leg lock attempts... Craig Jones quite literally took Vinny Magalay's ankle and bent it 180 degrees and then twisted it. And it popped three separate times in the process of doing that. The third time apparently sounded like a gunshot going off in the grain silo where they were. Even the referee commented about it, apparently. At which point, Craig being the, the gentleman that he typically is, stopped and went, that's hurt. You hurt, that, that's hurt. I just broke your ankle. To which Vinny responded, no, you didn't. It does that all the time. Hmm. The bone in Vinny's ankle was pushing against the skin and about to break through. He never so much as winced or blinked. The most... Poker faced, poker face in history. You watched his whole ankle go and twist and pop. He didn't have the slightest change of expression on his face at all. And then after the match, because clearly that was it. They can't, they're not going on after that. Uh, Vinny said that he knew it might have been in trouble after the third pop, but he just wanted to ride it out till the five minutes was over and they went to overtime. He wasn't actually going to compete in the overtime segments. And then just to demonstrate how freakishly fucking agile and limber Vinny Magalhaes' body actually is, standing, standing, on the ankle that got popped, which is now the size of his thigh and turning purple. He plants his butt on the stairs coming out of the octagon, grabs his other ankle, the good one, and spins it 180 inverse to show you this is normal. I can turn my entire joints backwards. Doesn't bother me at all. That one that you got, you definitely popped it. It's hurt. But that's nothing out of the ordinary for me. I wasn't going to tap for that. Like, you definitely didn't get me there. So, props to, to Vinny Magalhaes for being 
one of the toughest SOBs to compete in the world of combat sports. But, obviously, given the injury, they stop the match and Craig is determined to be the winner. So, that unofficially puts Craig Jones at the top of the heap as far as the grappling world goes. So, obviously, that immediately lit the grappling world's news circle on fire and go figure Gordy Ryan wants to to run this back he wants a chance at him Vinny obviously says that he will be back for the May 31st submission underground event ankle ready or not because he's a fucking lunatic like that but Chael has said that being Craig is now the top of the grappling heap and through no fault of his own, he had to relinquish his title previously that Rafael Lovato Jr., who has recently been medically cleared to start competing again, gets first dibs at Craig Jones at Submission Underground 14, May 31st, if he would like it. Spoiler alert, he has already said he wants that fucking match. So we might not only get to see Craig in another match because this will be, I believe, four submission undergrounds in a row that Craig Jones was on. But now we might also get to see the return of Rafael Lovato Jr. in the next submission underground as well. So as strange as things played out, it might still all work out for the best somehow. As crazy as that fucking is. Now, with that being said, a uh, little more directly related to WWE, or WWE to UFC um, is some WWE news in that the latest round of Backstreet Boy induced uh, staffing cuts, I guess would be the best way to put it, um, has hit the WWE and one of the first to go was the one and only Cain Velasquez, who was one of the mm -hmm. lowest men on the totem pole in terms of new higher rankings. Um, now, the interesting thing about this is that there has been no official announcement either way as to this being a layoff or furlough during this time where it will be picked back up when things pick back up or whether they literally just dissolved his contract due to emergency situations, in which case he would be immediately eligible to jump back into the USADA testing pool and attempt to make a comeback over to the UFC, where there is plenty of opportunity for a man like Cain Velasquez to still come back and get his feet wet, metaphorically speaking, of course. Whether he's going to do that, whether this is all a realistic possibility or not, we're definitely going to have to keep our eyes peeled. But with the gears starting to turn again, things starting to get back into motion, at least partially, we still saw WrestleMania go off. We've got three UFC events scheduled for a week. Um, Bellator is talking about maybe dialing back their earlier estimates of waiting until July to start putting on fights again in a soundstage maybe as early as the end of May, beginning of June, instead of the end of June like previous assessments, we might start to see this slowly start to catch some momentum again now that we know, thanks to guys like Uncle Chael, this can be done without a crowd, as strange as that is. It can still be done. We can still get yeah. these things slowly back integrated into regular life and help break the monotony of 
everyone going crazy and not having anything to watch anymore. So, one thing one thing is that WWE wrestlers they can they can keep themselves in uh, USADA testing pool if they want. Brock Lesnar Brock Lesnar does it all the time, um, and he also pulls himself out of it all the time. Strangely enough, not sure why Brock Lesnar would be worried about getting drug tested. But um, if Cain Velasquez kept himself in the pool, which we don't know for sure yet, um, like he could he could go back and start like if it's not a furlough, which I mean. Based on his appearances with the WWE, I don't know that there would be a whole lot for him when he comes back. Because um, they they pretty much buried him. Right. Pretty much they pretty much just buried him. Um, so I mean, it's tough to bring it's tough to build somebody back up after that. But um, yeah, I mean, he could he could be back next couple months if he wanted to. Assuming that, uh, assume that he kept kept himself in the drug testing pool, right? Like this wasn't like this wasn't his long term plan, which I sincerely doubt it was. His I was just gonna say I don't he, know that it really was. Yeah, yeah, because he was only I think he was only on for a year contract. Um, that's something that they were actually talking about on not ESPN, one of the other, one of the other all sports uh, Sirius XM channels that I was flipping through yesterday was talking about the fact that. Uh, Kane never originally signed with the WWE. When he quote unquote retired from UFC to go wrestling, he had signed a one year exclusive contract with a small promotion down in Mexico to Luchador wrestle yeah. under a mask. The the WWE picked him up from there. So yeah. we still don't know officially whether he was on a temporary status contract, whether he just got a one year, whether he had a recurring yeah. comeback, you know, clause or whatever what exactly Vince had him locked into or if they ever even took him out, like you said, of the USADA pool to begin with. Yeah. And WWE is known for doing word of mouth deals. With yeah, wrestlers. exactly. Exactly. They have but, a but very, very prominent no, history for that. <laughs> yeah. There may be no paperwork at all. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's no telling if and when Cain Velasquez could show up. I mean, I'm not sure. I mean, what fights are, what fights are left for him? In well, UFC, but I mean, he's, he's still a draw. Yeah, that's what We've I was going to say. We've talked about the, this over and over yeah, again. He's, he's still, still got the draw. name. Yeah, he's still Kane fucking Velasquez. So, yeah, I mean, there's something could be going on. Something could be going on. Good for him. Yeah, Good it's it's going to be interesting well, to mean, see how it shakes loose. It could be a multitude of things with him because if if it is a word of mouth contract. By the way he's been looking, he looks like he's in no shape to fight right now, to be quite honest. Yeah, he, he doesn't look the greatest. I will absolutely agree with that. No, he's, yeah. he's getting old. Poor Cain Velasquez. The man's getting old. Yeah, it just it, it, it is what it is. Granted, he does he he was on the back nine of his career anyways. Right. When he right. left the UFC, but he still had a couple of good fights left in him, I think. Uh, and I and I say I think, um, being um, relative, because it depends on who he was fighting, whether they were going to be good or not. Right, right. Well, and it's, there's also still, ironically, uh, same show that was talking about some of the stuff earlier, um, was talking yesterday about we still have not been able to get any kind of definitive confirmation 
whether Kane's knee legitimately had an issue in that fight versus Ngannou or whether it really was that short hook that you saw it. He definitely clipped him with a short punch. It landed. The question is, was there enough on that to put him down sideways like he went? Or was it also partially the knee? Because Kane won't talk about that anymore and Francis won't either. They both say it's in the past. It doesn't matter. We're talking about now. That could be a very strong indicator if that really was his knee and Francis clipped him but didn't clip him and drop him, just clipped him as he was already hurting himself and doesn't want to, you know, take away from his own victory or try and downplay Kane on it. So we could very well still have a very viable Kane, but on the other side of that, it is absolutely 100% possible that Kane has been faking the last fucking year and a half and should have stopped long ago and we don't get any more Kane, rightfully so. <clears throat> If, to give him the benefit of the doubt, let's say it was the knee that really fucking did it in. Because he obviously, you saw the way he went down on that knee, it was fucked. And at that point, at this point, he's had more than enough time for that thing to heal since that fight. Right. So if he did want to come back, now would be the fucking time. Because right now, there's a plethora of fights oh, that can possibly happen. Ever. And because he has a name and a former champion name behind him, guess what? That's all the more reason to bring him back in because, I mean, that's going to sell. Well, that, and if you think about it, his former anti-hero, for lack of a better term, his former better counterpart in a, a trilogy of fucking great matches that helped set the heavyweight standard back in the day has just announced that JDS is actually aside from the weird pedo stash that he started growing for some fucking reason during quarantine, he's cutting down and posted a picture yesterday of him with like a 12 pack abs looking thin as shit. JDS is testing the waters at two Oh five. He's talking about going down now thinking that, or his logic, at least from what he was saying is that he never tested 205 during his career because he was just doing well at heavyweight and felt good he didn't feel there was any need to test it but at this point realistically jds has kind of exhausted most of his options at heavyweight as well and if the body can go jds's problem was never really his chin that giant motherfucker could always take a punch. So this is one of those weird situations where it might actually make it very interesting to see JDS cut to 205, fight a Curtis Blades or someone who's known for their wrestling and prowess and is in the top as well, and win and then end up in a battle against John for the fucking 205 title, which is what JDS says that his goal of all this is. He wants to cut to 205 to fight John. What I'm wondering is, because he's ran at heavyweight for so long, how's his gas tank going to be? Because that's a lot of weight to cut yeah. from a 265 to Absolutely. fucking 205. Absolutely. Granted, he he was never right at the cutoff of 265. Right. You're Most right. weight in below. So, I mean, it, it's still a fucking massive cut. Because let's, let's just throw this out here. Say you're walking around at 240. For him, or he was probably walking 250 when he was, or 260. That's still 40, 50, 60 pounds, depending on what your walking weight is. Now, the picture of him you see, to be honest, he looks half fucking dead in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe it's because I've seen him at heavyweight for too fucking long. He definitely I've never seen looks him a on little, a skinny frame. He looks a little gaunt for I, sure. 
what his big old fucking neck that he had has just dissipated. Now, the plus side to all that is dropping down that far, there's less power at 205. So his chin that was already there, not going to get tested as much. Yep. And to be honest, he had, he was quick as is as a heavyweight. I think he'll do just fine with the speed level that's at the light heavyweight division. So it's probably not a bad move. We might actually get an extended career out of him. Right. Plus some better fights. Well, you also got to think. I mean, you never know. Good. I was gonna say you never know. I mean, he during the quarantine he could be sitting on a sitting on a stationary bike riding for riding for yeah. three hours, killing and that's how he cardio, all yeah. this And he could just be building that cardio and not not beating his body up. Very true. Like that's that's a that's a way to go about it. Is hit that stationary bike, not beat your body up, and just work just the cardio cut, for days. Cut, yeah. and cut, cut. You know, that's kind of what happened to me. Took me a hell of a lot longer than it <laughs> took him, but. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's certainly a it's certainly a possibility. Build up that build up a he might show up with a better gas tank. Right. Well, and and what I was going to say was that by two hundred five, but right. No, but what I was going to say is that for all the the technique and the the talents that John Jones does have, one punch KO power and a heavyweight caliber is never ever been one of them. Yes, he has good striking. Yes, he can piece you up with a very nice combo. One punch KO power in the heavyweight scale of that range has never been one of the things that he has. Whereas JDS has been known if he catches you with that one big step off, it doesn't matter who the fuck you are, he can put you to bed with it. And if he brings even, you know, 75% of that power with him, down to 205 in a world where guys are not used to getting hit that fucking hard, he can make a real big fucking splash, man. He really could. Yeah, I I don't know how I don't know how long he would kick around 205, but I mean, you get him a good you get him a good fight to see yeah, what he looks like. Exactly, see, then, test the waters, man. You never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's still rock, if he's still rocking that power, if he's still rocking power, quickness, showing a gas tank, take somebody out. Why not? Why not throw something at throw something at John Jones, like right? At this something point. he's not expecting. He can't train for. Yeah, yeah. Be fun. it'd be fun to see. I think it would definitely be be very interesting here. I what I think would be interesting good fight for him, Thiago Santos. That could be that could be very I think interesting as well. That dude's fucking. He's got power leg kicks for days. That would be a fucking interesting matchup between those two. Yeah, and that power would definitely be pretty fucking balanced too. Yeah, I think it would be comparable to JDS's boxing. Is, I mean, it, those two would those two would put on a heck of a fucking freak show. I think. Not to mention, we know Santos. He ain't gonna quit, even if his fucking knee is right. blown out. Yeah, no shit, no shit. Interesting, interesting as well. Yeah. Well, definitely, again, one of those things that is going to be worth keeping an eye on because no matter how that shakes loose, JDS getting, in, at least in the conversation for 205, has already started shaking shit up in the world. There's already, aside from our little fucking show, the pros are all over this fucking picture of JDS in the bathroom looking fucking svelte as all get out right now. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does with it, to say the very least. Um, a couple more interesting announcements here. 
Um, we found out just today, actually, through a very weird series of information channels, that uh, Cowboy Cerrone and his wife are officially expecting their second child. Uh, they inadvertently found out because of a mix-up in a mailing list situation. Um, their gynecologist, baby doctor, feller, whatever terminology applies to this particular area, uh, looked at the last sonogram that they did and went, oh yeah, no, no, that's totally a baby little boy. Here's a little baby penis. And then sent that picture with that information to Cowboy's wife, even though they didn't want to know. They just wanted to wait until the baby got here. As long as it was healthy, that was all that mattered for them. But, turns out, goof up in an email list, checkbox somewhere on a fucking subscription list or something. <laughs> they got the news early, so we got the news as soon as they did. So, congratulations to them. They are now officially expecting Riot Cerrone in the fall. To run loose with danger, Cerrone. <laughs> danger and riot, fuck. Yeah, danger and riot, Cerrone. If they come with a third, what are the names on tap for a third there? Right, because that's a hell of a pair. That's the bar is set pretty fucking high. If you have to be that kid's school te those kids' school teachers, right? Fuck. Right, that's and that's exactly what I said. Is like those kids are being set up to give teachers a nightmare for a good couple of years. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, right? Nothing. I'll go play on my dad's ranch. Piss off. Right, fuck you, bitch. <laughs> I'm gonna drink all the monster. Right. Yeah. Ironically, as they gave him a delivery this afternoon for the new Chasing Danger saloon they built on the BMF ranch, uh, Monster sent him. Three new refrigerators full of monster everything to put in the saloon today. He did a little video on uh, Cowboy's Instagram showing the, the truck showing up with the new fridges and then cases and cases and cases of monster. So uh, Danger's got no shortage if he needs one. <laughs> um, interesting announcement here on the other side of the world. Um, officially, Vitor Belfort has signed with 1FC. Um, due to this reunion situation that we're dealing with, they have had to now twice push back his debut fights, never actually announcing who it was going to be, just that they had booked a debut fight for him, and then subsequently, both of those events have had to have been cancelled since then. But they are official now. We have an opponent. We just now don't have a location or time because of the way things are going. But the contract is signed, apparently. Vitor Belfort will be making his debut at heavyweight in 1FC against Alan Galani, the 300-pound heavyweight who can do full splits and yoga, the possibly most agile big man in the world. I wish Vitor the best of luck, and I'm quietly and sadly anticipating his funeral announcement. <laughs> uh, you know uh props to one fc for uh picking up a legend yeah and then albeit him. um <laughs> on the 18th green of his career right you know it'll sell tickets it it absolutely will 
It absolutely will. It's it's going to be an interesting match. And Chael was actually talking about this earlier in the week when they announced this matchup, is that Vitor started fighting at 19 years old professionally. He sat in the press conference talking about the, the uh, contract to fight Alan as a 46-year-old man. Just think about that for a second. In the combat sports world, he started as a professional at 19 years old in the era that steroids were a regular thing. Thrived for 20 plus years in that world and is now still trying to stay relevant and active against current badasses. That's a hell of an accomplishment unto itself. I... There's not many guys that are going to be able to hold a 25-year run in combat sports, realistically. We've seen the Canes, the JDSs. We've seen the Forrest Griffins, the Rich Franklins. We've seen the guys that helped pioneer this, that started in the same days that Vitor did. Graciously, and some against their will, bow out of the game years ago. Vitor is still competing and still active. It's fucking crazy to me. <laughs> I wish him the yeah. best. We're just going to have to see how it shakes loose. It'd be interesting to see what shakes loose. He stayed in the game this long, taking the shots that he has. Yeah, he's no spring chicken, and it's not like he's had easy fights through his fucking career either. No, he's had the definition of fucking slobber knockers in there. Yeah. So, one more little piece, and then I want to go over uh, a couple of uh, miniature breakdown announcements, so to speak, for the uh, upcoming fight nights, or whatever the fuck they're going to be called. And then we'll get into some some 249 talk here in a little bit. Um, we did get kind of a weird back and forth between uh, an Ariel Hawani talk, and then an ESPN MMA live talk, and then just an Instagram live back and forth, a bouncing around of kind of playful jabs that have seemingly turned into a thing now it's another kind of example of how the internet is making the fight world very different in the modern day than it was when things were first getting established um it looks for all intents and purposes uh including the uh comment section contract that he wrote up himself to confirm this that we have robert whitaker Versus Darren Till at a catch weight of 195 pounds set to go down August 15th at UFC Dublin. If it still goes down to UFC Dublin, um, they have verbally agreed to fight at a catch weight. And instead of training during fight week to pair up, go out and I quote, chipping, dipping and drinking in Dublin on Darren Till's dime, and then after the fight, become bar buddies. Uh, that might be one of the greatest things to fucking ever happen, if that actually happens. I yeah. love it. I fucking love it, man. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a stepbrothers moment. Did we just become best friends? Yeah, it, it really <laughs> is. And it's weird because it all came about 
originally because Robert Whitaker was talking with uh, ESPN MMA about the last time he had pulled out of a fight against Jared Cannonier in the beginning of April. They originally had announced that it was a medical issue that had pulled out. He announced just the other day during this interview that it wasn't a medical issue at all. He literally just felt burnt out and was considering officially retiring from MMA as little as a couple weeks ago. Which is what grabbed Darren Till's attention because Darren Till said that is exactly what happened to him last year. So he understands exactly the feeling that he's going through, which is why Darren suggested instead of putting all this pressure on ourselves, instead of building up the fight week and making everything all antsy pantsy, getting all the fucking nerves up and making your body go through hell. We get some potato chips and dip. We get some video games. We have some beers and we relax and we fight at a catch weight. So neither one of us has to cut. And then when it's done, we go for a beer because fuck it. It was all in good fun anyway. Yep. I like it. I fucking like it. <laughs> I think my favorite thing was him, ha- the Photoshop of Darren Till holding the bag of fucking Doritos and <laughs> you in. I was like, yes. Yes. It's, it's already turned into a very beautiful back and forth. They're both on board. They're both good hearted about it. I fucking like it, man. I like it. Dana, let's Dana, let's go ahead and we'll bypass you completely. Right, this yeah, you're not needed in this at all. Just print the fucking contract and send it to them. They're both on board. Yeah. I have this strange and it'll be entertaining as fuck. Fuck yeah. It will indeed. I, I have a strange sneaking suspicion. The way that Darren Till has become a I'm gonna I'm gonna say it right now he's become a master of the social media. Oh yeah. When it comes to he's getting there. out there, his star power fucking going way up because of it. Because of the outlandish shit he says, the, the stupid shit he comes up with. I mean, fuck the amount of um, eggplant emojis that you see running around on his pages. Not to mention the. Last year, the big thing, Yoel. Well, yeah. Oh, I want to fight Yoel first thing, and then next post. What the fuck was I thinking? Right. He's, <laughs> he's masterminded this shit with probably not even realizing he's doing it. But yeah, he's a smart enough dude. He's yeah. smart enough dude. He knows what he's up to. His his screaming at his phone video for Israel Adesanya the day after Israel Adesanya publicly dismissed him on Ariel's show was pretty fucking genius. The bright red screaming, I'm fucking coming for you. Like, you watch that shit and got goosebumps. Like, that's authentic. Like, that's very well planned. I think I think he knows what he's doing here. He is self-branding so fucking beautifully. Fuck yes, he is. And the best part is, is we know exactly which song he's going to come out to every time he fights. You don't have to guess. Bah, bah, bah. That's right. We're all be singing along <laughs> with him. Doesn't That's matter right. who he's fighting. Yep. And no, and then this now with him and Robert Whitaker, fucking brilliant on both of their parts. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be very, very nice if this if they actually and, let this happen for us. You know, if it does happen, maybe they set a precedent for other fighters to do the same type of shit. I'm I mean, just saying little bit of fun to be had, and, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, they're two very, very good fighters. They'll go out and they'll put on a show. Yeah, it's going to be entertaining and, as I mean, well in the ring, yeah. 
Yeah, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with having some fucking fun. There's absolutely nothing in the world wrong with having some fun. If you can get away with it in a professional manner, go for it. Well, you got to think. Cowboy and Connor was just at 170 so that they could have fun and neither one of them had to cut weight. Yeah. This is going to be a catch weight at 195 so that neither one of these guys have to cut weight and they can have fun. Yeah, exactly. And we saw how Connor and Cowboy turned out. I mean, he he shouldered him into unconsciousness (laughs) and and then he went out and had some drinks with him. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Maybe the UFC is more is more than just fighting. It's about making beautiful friendships that we would think never would happen. <laughs> we can hope, at least anyways. We can hope. So, from there, um, we got a, like I said, we got a triple announcement. UFC 249 on May 9th, and then turnaround on May 13th for a Wednesday night show, which is unprecedented, and then bringing it back again the following Saturday for a May 16th show. So they have not officially released fight cards for the May 13th or 16th card just yet. What they did do is announce a handful of fights on both of those cards, though. So I want to go over just a couple of these real quick, just to kind of give you guys an idea of what we're looking at so that you understand that they're not just throwing three events on without any plans here. Listen to some of these names here. Okay. So the first one, the one of the most important ones, in my opinion, that has to find out what the fuck when this plays out, the official debut at heavyweight of OSP against Ben Rothwell. That's going to be a huge fucking fight. OSP has been a fucking very predominant threat at 205 for a long fucking time. And he is pulling the trigger and going full heavyweight now. And they're giving him Ben Rothwell for his first fucking fight there. That's going to be interesting to see how that fucking plays out. But if that wasn't enough for you. We get the rebooking, thanks to the reunion scrapping the first one, of Marvin Vittori against Carl Robertson. We get the rebooking of Sajira Eubanks versus Sarah Moras. We get the rebooking slash official confirmation of Ray Borg versus Ricky Simone at 135, which is going to be very fucking interesting as well. Then you see, we get, you see me perk up? Yeah, I'm saying that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's going to get real fucking interesting there as well. Then we get more grappling. We get Alexander Hernandez versus Drew Dober, which is going to be a very interesting match as well. And if that wasn't enough, Michael Johnson versus Tiago Moises. That's going to be an interesting matchup as well. That's going to be possibly Johnson's last match in the UFC if he can't get his shit together. And Moises is not an easy fucking fight to begin with as well. So that's going to be an interesting fucking night. And that's just what we know so far for the Wednesday night card. Then you flip over to the following, to the 16th, to that Saturday, the next Saturday's card. As of right now, Darren Damage Elkins versus Nate Landwehr, which is going to be another fucking grappling battle that's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Eric, your boy, Anders, versus Christoph Jocko, which is going to be an interesting striking battle yeah. between yeah. two grapplers. 
Edson Barbosa versus Dan Ige, which is going to be a jujitsu battle that's going to be very fucking interesting to play out. And then the one as of right now that has me the most excited about the Saturday night card, the return of the 3-0 Song Yadong versus Marlon Chito Vera. That is going to be a fucking firework match in an octagon unto itself. That's a hell of a fucking list, and that's just what they're teasing us with. That's not the official card for either one of those. Yeah, you would expect them to announce probably a, like a higher level main event for that Saturday show. Yeah. I'd imagine that. I'd imagine Dana's putting together something a little bit. I'd imagine that's going to be like a. I'd imagine the the Saturday is going to be like a UFC fight night. Basically, um, um, what they were talking about earlier. And then the Wednesday yes, be like yesterday on ESPN Plus. Or, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was either yesterday or the day before they were talking about on uh, MMA Un- Unfiltered, I think it was. Um, as of right now, still rumored, it's verbal, they haven't actually signed contracts yet. But what it looks like right now is that that Saturday, the May 16th card, might be headlined by Overeem versus Walt Harris. Ooh. Which, I'm sold. Sign me the fuck up. That locks it in as a fucking card worth watching if you stack that on top of all this yeah. other crazy shit we've got. Yeah. That's a okay, hell of yeah. an announcement of fucking fights to throw together in a week to piggyback on top of a fucking pay-per-view event that's been postponed for a month now. And just the fact that it's back. Yeah, exactly. On top, they, they yeah, on top of the anticipation. They went, yeah, they went full WWE. It's back. Yep. Yeah, it looks like that's how that's how it's going to play loose. So I am very, very interested to see how this plays out and if they can keep these fights on there because, man, there's some interesting fucking names in that list, and that's just their teasers. That's not the big confirm reveal poster fucking status yet. So, I mean, you know everybody's going to be tuning into it. Right. Everybody. Yeah, I, I two, agree. 249 is going to sell it. It doesn't really matter who's on the card, but I right. mean, it's a pretty good card. So. So, I mean, ESPN, they'll do it. Yeah, the Wednesday will be an ESPN ESPN Plus, and the other one will be a fight night. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, we're seeing those fights that Dana promised us. That's right. right, He said that we were going to see all of them eventually, and here we're starting to see them fucking fall through. So, I mean, it could be a very interesting summer after all, especially with fucking Mortal Kombat Island coming. We know Florida's going to let them start running as of next Ooh. week. The casino's going to open in, Florida, in uh, California here before too long if the governor has anything to say about it. And Dana's already said as soon as that's back open, we're getting at least an event or two there to thank them for trying to come through when all this first started. So, yeah. You know, that it, it makes me wonder... They're doing three with inside of a week. So you got a Saturday, a Wednesday, a Saturday. Yep. No breaks. What what I wonder about on this is why so close together? Instead of doing like the normal Saturday thing, you're throwing a Wednesday in here. You're totally fucking the normal schedule here. I think there's an underlying thing going on here. Of one, they're worried that shit might get shut down real quick. Right. But two, is there a possibility that Mortal Kombat Island is pretty close to being done? 
if it's that, where if it's where we think it is, which yeah, is it, a pretty good possibility, and it's a mighty pretty place. Yeah, uh, a lot of the a lot of the infrastructure was already there. Yeah, it would just been a lot of fine tuning and a lot of expanding on things, really. Yeah, and see, this is this is what I'm thinking. Is there's that possibility, and then there's also the possibility of let's say California possibly opening back up. Jeez, Palace, yeah. They already said that we know they're going to go out and have at least their first event in California be there. At, yeah, at Tachi's Palace, exactly. And I would venture to guess they're probably going to do them a solid, possibly two or three more events there. Over yeah, the course I'd, I'd guess, th- I, I think they had them under contract for three, so I think Don, I think uh, Dan will probably do three. Yeah. There. I think, I, I think he'll, I think he'll take care of him. He's a dude, he's a dude who, if you do him a favor, he'll do you a favor back. Yeah, he, so. he remembers shit like that. And in a time that yeah. we've been dealing with for them to step up against all odds and be willing to be that place to stay open for Dana, he's going to remember that. I think we're going to see one back there real soon. And I have a feeling he might save one of the three that they have for him for when they can actually have a crowd again. Put a crowd in that place, yeah, pack the fucking yeah. so that building way they for him. Pack it up for him and... Actually, do them a really good solid because at that point they're getting alcohol sales and everything yeah, else. Yeah, they'll get away. all the monies. Yeah, the casinos, the fucking hotel rooms, the alcohol sales, everything. Yeah, I, Man, I agree. People who get people who get to go fight on Mortal Kombat Island though, lucky SOBs. Right, motherfuckers. I just, Man, I hope more than anything place. that Dana understands realistically the most. Well, I can't say the most. The two most important things about combat island are going to be one the internet connection and two the amount of cameras because no one can be there there will be no crowds on mortal combat island ever he says all the fights that are going to take place there are for just the fighters and the crew there will never be a crowd on fight island so we yeah. won't ever get to go there so you better put 800 fucking cameras all around that ring and set up one of those crazy lady fucking you know, cat camera live stream 24 seven. Watch the birds fly kind of thing for fight Island on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying, but that being said, that will bring us to a meat and potato segment of an episode here for more than just a little bit to talk about. We have got a full Full feast here, ladies and gentlemen. We have a legitimate meat and potatoes segment here once again. This particular episode here, we are going to give a preface, so to speak, for the UFC 249 card. Because we've got the poster, we've got the confirmation, we know what 249 is going to be. So we're going to talk about that for you guys tonight. That way, if anything changes between now and next week, we can use next week to give you that update and then use next week's show to give you our breakdown on that Wednesday and then following Saturday night's card. So we've got it all wrapped up for you folks before it comes to, and we break it down without having to give you a seven-hour episode to slog through. So, that being said, we're going to dive right the fuck in here to UFC 249. So I'm going to start right at the tippy top, because thankfully... Dana gets it. He understands that with this much weight, you cannot afford to fuck around. You take your fluff, you take your bullshit mediocre fights, and you save them for that fucking Saturday show for the prelims. We ain't got no fucking time for that. UFC 249 is coming out the gates with the fucking fire. The very first match, Smiling Sam Alvey versus Ryan Superman Span. 
this is going to be fucking interesting. These boys are going to come out the gate fucking swinging. Smiling Sam has been all over the UFC Instagram page, just itching, scratching, and clawing for a fucking fight before they line him up with Ryan Spann. And we have seen Ryan Spann be able to take a fucking punch, and that man has got some damn good grappling in his fucking pocket. We've seen Smiling Sam have an issue when he starts getting thrown around. He can keep you on the feet and dance all night long, but we've seen him have problems when he starts getting thrown around, and that's exactly what Ryan Spann is going to want to do, and he's got the granite chin to be able to stand there with him and try and pull it off. I think it's going to be a great fucking fight, but I think the discount Wonder Boy already has enough of an issue with his chin that Ryan Spann is going to be able to take that power and turn it back on him. I think Ryan Spann puts the smile and Sam down for the evening. I agree wholeheartedly um, as much as smiling Sam likes to get in there and fight and smile the whole time he he hasn't done shit in his last four five fights now so no. at this point this is a winner be cut for him but um, I all I see is the scissors yeah that's what I was gonna say this this might be this might be Sam's last chance but um, in the UFC <laughs> yeah, in the UFC, and he'll he'll, re, he'll resurface shortly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, he's got enough personality. <laughs> he's got enough personality. Someone's going to give him a run. Um, yeah, I, could, I mean, should be a fun match. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more I have to say about that. <laughs> should be fun. It. I I agree completely. I think it's going to be a fun match, no matter how it ends up. Yeah. If he if he if, if smiling Sam gets taken down like that's that's what you got or he gets countered and that's a that's a good possibility right. too. Yeah, Span's got a hell of a fucking step off counter right too. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, either one could make it real interesting, real fucking fast. <laughs> real fast. Yeah, I don't ante- I don't I don't anticipate that one going to decision. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think that one's going to the judges. I agree with you there, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Uh... Okay, and then following that one up, moving along to the next one here, we have got one of my favorite fights on this whole fucking card for a slew of goddamn reasons. Uh, Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell versus Charles Rosa. Now, this is going to be way bigger of a fight than most people will understand here as if thug nasty needed any more motivation because that dude is just 100 percent pissing vinegar from the fucking toes up as if he needed more motivation charles rosa made the mistake of publicly saying bryce mitchell stepping in the octagon with me might cost him a limb i'm gonna hurt that guy yeah. To which Bryce Mis- Bryce Mitchell immediately responded, Dude, I put a drill through my own nuts and almost lost my wiener. A limb ain't shit to worry about. You're in trouble. <laughs> if you know the story of Bryce Mitchell and the drill incident, you understand exactly how fucking tough Bryce Mitchell is. And if you don't know the story, I encourage you, when this show's over, just enter into Google... Bryce Mitchell 
drill. Those three words and everything you need will pop up and you will be horrified and then immediately impressed at the toughness. Mostly horrified though. But Bryce Mitchell is one of my favorite fucking prospects in the UFC and was long before we got to see him do the first untrained twister of of the modern era. Um, Bryce Mitchell has been showing exactly who he is since they put him on Ultimate Fighter. That man was a little dude from Arkansas there to kick ass and take names from day one when he showed up, and that is exactly who the fuck he is now. And if you follow him on social media, you will understand that this dude does not sleep. He is one of those country-strong, dangerous motherfuckers that is always doing something or building something or moving something or something that is keeping him in ridiculous shape. And when he's not... He's at Westside MMA down in Arkansas and he's fucking training and the dude is grinding his fucking ass off. Now, I say it time and time again. Respect where respect is deserved. Charles Rosa is no fucking slouch. The dude has a very, very legitimate resume and he is a very, very fierce competitor. But there is a time and a place to be that smart ass and it has to be done with tact especially in today's fight world because otherwise you just end up looking like a fucking idiot and this is one of those situations where i don't think rosa understood who he was signing up to fight and then made a stupid fucking remark on top of that and took a dude who was just going to be a very tough match and made it a fucking mountain of a task for rosa to win I have all the confidence in the world that Rosa is a competent fighter, but you took a dude who was going to give you a good challenge to begin with and pissed him off. We have seen time and time again, when you get a pissed off and motivated individual who was already good in the situation he was in, it tends to end bad for the dude who started the shit. And I feel bad for Charles Rosa because I really don't see a situation where he's going to be able to outdo Doug Nasty when this weekend gets here. I really don't. Props, but you done fucked up, son. You done fucked yeah. up. Especially if fucking UFC finally gets him his camo shorts. Well, and that's the funny thing is that Matt Viper stepped up immediately when Reebok didn't, so Matt Viper has an official Thug Nasty camo kit with shorts and top in fucking camo with the Thug Nasty fucking crew on it and everything. Reebok is losing the fuck out here at this point. Oh, yeah. Dude, I, Rosa, obviously, in this case, I will say he let his alligator mouth overload his canary ass, yep. and he's going to pay for his sins. Because uh, um, uh, to take a page out of Game Bread's book, he's about to get baptized. <laughs> Bryce Mitchell is a fucking animal. He is honestly my favorite prospect. To be honest, I'm a little pissed off he's not on the under on the prelims that he's on the early prelims because there's a couple fights I could see moved around on this card. But hey, it is what it is. We have to just deal with it as it is because this fight card is pretty loaded. But yeah. either way, it, this is all thug nasty all day. And to be honest, I'm hoping just by the odd weird fucking chance that it happens again that we get to see another untrained twister out of him a uh, youtube trained twister he's trained let me rephrase that youtube trained it's all this on youtube let me try it yeah. 
Yeah, it's a be <clears throat> like the only thing. The only thing I hope he does, like, there's the off chance you come out too hot when you're really angry at somebody. There's the off chance, but I mean that's the only off chance I see here. Because yeah, you got to do dudes nonstop. Basie McBaserton, I don't want to get you. I don't want to get you strike. Right. You know, I don't. I, I don't think he's that angry, to be quite honest. Like, if you watch his uh, social media feeds, he's having fun right now. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. For the current state of what's going on, he's having some fun. And not to mention, he's got, he's definitely got stress relief with him lately. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be real interesting. And just for the record, when I say untrained twister, I don't mean that as an insult. What I mean is that he's formally untrained. He's YouTube certified by Eddie Bravo in, in the world of the twister. I don't mean that as a negative thing by any stretch of the imagination. What I mean is he's one of those dudes that by rights shouldn't be a twister kind of guy. But thanks to the modern age we live in and Bryce being smart enough to learn shit from YouTube, we got to see one of the craftiest fucking twisters ever on camera and i for one fucking loved it i think it would be cool as shit to see him pull one off against rosa but i think with rosa being a black belt himself it's gonna be difficult cool as shit if it happened i think it'd be difficult though maybe not because he might not expect it to be like oh i'm a black belt so i can take him on the ground and then next thing you know he's all fucking contorted and blah, blah. right twisted up and fucking laughed at <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true there's a possibility though i, I agree be interesting to see how that one shakes loose as well for for the the end result but wrapping up the early prelims after that we will get a very very unique set of fighters clashing in the premier early prelim air quotes fight uh vincente luque versus nico the hybrid price this is going to be a very very unorthodox fight both of these gentlemen have very very deep toolboxes as far as skill sets go but both of them are very unorthodox in their attack methods i think it's going to be a very very close match there isn't really a whole lot of area in anywhere that one of these gentlemen has dominance over the other i think it's going to be real close all the way down i just feel like Nico Price has that much more experience in the spotlight and under pressure than Luke does. And I think that in a situation coming up like this where we're looking at no crowd, we're looking at all eyes, but no one physically there, that's a lot of pressure to deal with for a guy as young as Vincente Luque in his career. I just think the advantage leans more towards Nico Price here, but I think it's going to be a close one either way. You know... I have to say this. This is where it tilts for me. Nico Price has, he has the. Yes, he does. He's won. He's knocked two opponents out off of his fucking back. That Mark has brown elbows from the bottom, too. Oh, fucking face. Nico Price is an unconventional. Vicente Luque is in his own right, but he's not the same. I think. The matchup is fucking fantastic because of how unorthodox both of them are. Yeah. But I have to give the slight edge to Nico Price purely because 
we've seen him win in some spots where you're not generally supposed to be doing those things and pulling that shit off. So I have to give the tick mark to Nico Price here. However, I think it's going to be a fantastic fight. If there's a finish, I don't think it's going to come in until late second, mid third round between these two, just because of the way the fight's going to end up playing out with the unorthodox styles that we're going to see out of them. Yeah, this one's not going to be quick, I don't think, by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, he's got... I think this one. I think this one. You'll see a prolonged uh, feeling out session. Right. <laughs> Could go the entire like first one and a half rounds. Like, okay, what's this dude gonna do? Yeah. The, yeah. Realistically, the whole first round could be feeling out between these two. You're absolutely yeah. right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Nico Nico Price is is fun. He's funner than Luke. Um. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll put the check mark down on. I'll put the check mark down on Nico Price. Nice, nice. He's a funner. He's a he's he has more fun to he has more fun to watch. That's so. and I th- I agree. I think this is another one that's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how it shakes loose once we get to the end of that. Either way, it's it's a great fucking matchup. It's one of the most even matchups I feel like on this whole card. So it's gonna be mm-hmm. cool to see how that actually plays out once leather meets face, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> So, moving along from there, that will bring us into the prelim card for the evening. Excuse me. First fight on the prelim card. No punches pulled. They are not fucking around, people. The prelims are opening with Uriah Hall versus Jacques Array. Yeah. This is the opening prelim fight. I hope people understand how fucking significant this could be its own main event on any other fucking card. This is the opening fight on the fucking prelims. This is going to be a spectacular matchup. This is two dudes who will, I'd say, give the last fight a run for their money in terms of closeness as far as the matchups and the stylings go. Both of these dudes are fucking legendary dangerous. Uriah Hall is known literally the world over for his fucking head kick ability. Jacare, they don't call him the fucking gator for nothing. That dude wraps you up, you're fucking wrapped. He is a problem in the jiu-jitsu world and has brought himself to the MMA world and shown the MMA world what a problem he can be. The only thing that brings any kind of question into this match for me is the fact that these two probably should have had this match five years ago (laughs) to see see best case scenario prime real true prime Uriah Hall versus Jacare should have been five years ago that being said it's still going to be a fucking spectacular match not to say that you know it it would have been that much better five years ago. I think we would have just seen a little more of that spring chicken energy in both of these guys five years ago because they're both, at this point, realistically, they're both putting along on 17, ready to look towards the end. Neither one of them are quite there yet, though. Both of these guys both still have fight in them. We just know that neither one of these guys are going to be looking at a title title run anytime soon they're just not in the championship game anymore at this point they're in fights to make great fights this is going to be one of those great fights i think the matchup is beautiful size style just 
numbers are so fucking close, and then you've got two very, very distinct styles that I feel will play off each other very well. It's it's hard to root against Uriah Hall's head kicks because they are fucking problematic for everyone. But Jacare might be one of the best equipped people on the planet to deal with those kicks, and I can't root against a Gator in this situation. I gotta go with Jacare. This is a tough fight for me to call for two reasons. One, we know what Jacare has done. However, he's forty years old now. Yeah, forty in fight world. That that's starting to get into that. It, I'll say the fucking geriatric state when it comes to fighting. Legends League. You're saying you're saying my days as a UFC fighter are over. <laughs> Telling you, mine are fucking about there too. So, but, time to start you know, looking at coaching. And, no. and coach, that's that's it. But uh, Uriah Hall, thirty-five. He's technically, you're technically speaking, he's in that weird downfall of where your prime is supposed to be in your early thirties. Right. But I, I to. He's also one of those guys that's been fighting since he was in his fucking twenties, like Vitor as well, though. So yeah. He's got a little more road miles than the average 35-year-old, I'd say. It's true, but as does Jacare, though, because Jacare's been around for a long fucking time, too. So, I mean, the only way that I can give... That's the only thing that I can say between these two that makes me lean one way or another. Because I honestly don't know what's going to happen here. If Uriah Hall can keep it on the feet and not get caught and locked up by Jacare, he's going to win it. Yeah, but on the other hand, Jacques Ray has been known to grab people when that you don't think that he's going to get a hold of them and keep them down. So, to me, honestly, this fight's a coin flip. It's just going to depend on whether it stays on the feet or whether it goes to the ground. If it goes to the ground, sorry, Uriah Hall, but you're fucked six ways from Sunday, and they're not using Lou. And same goes for Jacques Ray. If uh, it stays on the feet. Your eye hall's got your number, guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this. I think this is going to be. I think this is going to be a really fun match. Um, yeah. Really, really fun fight. I don't see it's. It's not going the distance. These two are not taking it to the distance. Uh, I don't think. Anyway, um, <clears throat> and I'll just lean back on the old adage: like you take a you take a dude you take a good grappler over the, over a good striker in MMA. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. Um, so I mean I'll I'll play the counterpoint. I'm I'm crafty old man. Be craft be crafty old man, Jacare. Yep. Get in there. <laughs> throws that head throws that head kick, grabbing dragon screw leg whip, ankle lock, WWE it out. You're good, bro. So yeah, I, I I'll I'll take a I'll take a I'll take a grappler. I'll take a grappler over a striker most any day. Because you can you can plot you can plot your way into you can plot you, you can plot out some you can plot out how you're going to take them down fair you know you you'll have six seven plans in your head on how i'm going to take this guy down when you're working when you're working combinations and trying to trying to change on the fly a dude that's as crafty as, as jacare is like i don't i don't see him getting i don't see him getting caught by the leg by or by the head kick um i see him having a plan for it just how i think it'll go down I, I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined to agree. 
We will have to see, though. It's another one that's going to be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, that brings us into one that I believe might not necessarily be as fun to watch. Unpopular opinion. Huh. I think this is probably going to be the least entertaining fight on the card. Um, that being Carla Esparza versus Michelle Karate Hottie Watterson. Um, not, not to take away from Karate Hottie, she's still on a hell of a stretch. She's got a great skill set, but realistically, Carla Esparza sucks. She got <laughs> lucky to get where she was when she did, and she has proven just about every time since then that she does not belong. In almost every single match she has been in, she has looked worse and worse and worse since her inaugural battle in the division. I don't understand how this card needs this fight. This is perfectly acceptable for an early main card or mid-prelim fight on either the Wednesday or the following Saturday cards. I don't understand why this one has to be on UFC 249. It doesn't have bearing on the division. It doesn't have a title attached to it. This isn't a highly anticipated clash. It's two ladies in the middle of the division that are going to put on a semi-entertaining fight that isn't really relevant in the grand scheme of things and compared to the fights that it's surrounded by is going to be fairly lackluster. I think this is going to be a pretty easy fight for, for Watterson. I don't see this one going to the judges. If by some chance it makes it there, I think it's because Watterson has been point fighting the entire time. I don't think Carla Esparza has anything to make this any kind of a detrimental or a fearful battle for Michelle Watterson. I think it's it's kind of a dumb move in my opinion to have this fight on the card but i think it's going to give karate hottie a chance to get a a very watched win this weekend if nothing else yeah i mean i tend to i tend to agree there's a reason this fight's on the card though it's because of the the pullouts and these two these two were willing to take a short like a short like a super short fight right so that's that's like a short like this was when did they throw this one together, this fight? Two weeks it's ago, within the last ago. week, right? Yeah, it's like, I think two weeks ago is when it was first announced in talks, but it was confirmed within the last week or so. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, that's all this is, is this is a short, this is just a short notice fight to fill in, to put a lady fight on the card. Right. Yeah. Um, it is the only lady fight on the card too. It is the only lady that. fight now. Um, and I mean, credit to both ladies. For, for taking a short notice fight like this, um, right. I, I do I do feel kind of bad for Michelle Waters and uh, our karate hottie friend. That I mean, she's she has to get in there with someone who's going to give her an ugly, ugly, ugly ass fight. And even if she wins, there's a chance she doesn't come out she doesn't come out looking all that freaking great for me. Right. So um, I hope she finishes her quick and just bull rushes her, and that's the end of it. But I don't see that how that's this fight. This fight might go decision, um, and it, and it they might get booed out. Or I mean, if people were there, they might get booed out of the building. <laughs> I was gonna say. Be, I was gonna say. I don't know that they're gonna be able to be booed by the live audience, but at home. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I might be. I might like. I like Michelle Waterson, 
but I might be booing. Yeah. I might be booing here, here in a zoom room, booing it. So yeah. I'm, I get it. I get it. I get why the, I get why it has to be on the, I get why it has to be on the card, but I'm a little bummed. Sometimes them short notice fights turn into, turn into slobber knocker. So never know. True. this is absolutely true. <laughs> That's true. I am still kind of bummed for this fight though, for one reason and one reason only. The only fight that Michelle has lost recently was to Joanna, and then Joanna got promptly destroyed. Yeah. Which Michelle was on a fucking fantastic tear and was looking damn good doing it up until that point. Yeah. Carla Sparza, her last couple wins, they looked like they were fucking ugly fights. They weren't fun to watch by any means. Yeah, she's on a two-fight win streak, and but it's there's nothing notable to that. To be honest, I think the UFC did Michelle Watterson a disservice by offering her the fight with Carla Esparza because, to be quite honest, Michelle deserves, in my opinion, a top-five fighter, at least. I agree. I feel like she's fighting down here a lot. Yeah, they keep just stuffing her back down in the pocket. Oh, well, you just lost to the person who just fought the champ and lost. So fucking what? That's not a huge fucking loss when you're one, two in the fucking rankings and you lose it. How do you drop to the middle of the fucking pack? I think there's a little bit of fucking going on there. But hey, you know what? This chick is Michelle Watterson, in my opinion, an easy night's work. She gets to go back home to her family, do her thing. Carla Sparza, hopefully she gets fucking just dropped down to like fucking 15 in the division at max. And or fuck outside of the top 15 because she's kind of like there's a couple other fighters that are in the women's strawweight division that I think same of that just get the fuck out. It, um, this one, Michelle Watterson, and to be honest, I hope she knocks her out. Like, just fucking, just assassinates her. Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at a first round KO. I wouldn't be Washington. mad at all. Like, thanks, Michelle, for turning this one off. Right, already. thanks for being considerate for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but moving along from that one to one that's going to be what I feel the polar opposite of that. This one could be possibly the most interesting maybe not the most exciting but the most interesting matchup on this card the dad body constrictor himself alexi <laughs> olenic versus the return of the boomerang bandit fabricio verdun this has got just potential physical chess written all over it these are two mm-hmm. gigantic black belts that are going to go crazy against each other. And the only thing that I feel really gives one, ironically enough, an edge over the other is the fact that while the dad body constrictor has been out here just showing people what Sunday afternoon can do to you, Fabricio has been suspended because he used some of those Mexican supplements. So he's had time off to just be angry and work out and drill and drill and drill and drill. And if you've seen his social media, Fabricio has spent 
about 25% of his time trying to plead for a appeal slash reduced sentence in his suspension. The other 75% of the time drilling like a motherfucker. Fabricio has not wasted his time off. He has spent it sharpening that fucking steel edge every chance he got. And I think when he comes back, he's going to be razor fucking sharp. And I think under a normal set of circumstances, this would be an interesting match to watch play out. I think under these circumstances, it's going to be spectacular from a grappling fan's point of view because Fabricio's got the hands. Alexi's got some hands. Fabricio's got good hands. But they are both just badass on a worldly level when it comes to the grappling and the jujitsu. This is not, I feel, one of those situations where we've got two jujitsu guys who are going to go in there and then they're going to wrestle because they're both jujitsu guys and they don't want to use their jujitsu. Or two wrestlers who are going to go in and box because they're both wrestlers. I think this is one of those things where we've got two guys who know what they're good at and know what their opponents are good at and I think it's just going to be a fucking war of skills. And I think it's going to be great, but I feel like that time off and that extra fucking training is going to give Fabricio the edge and I think he's going to take it. I don't think we see this one go all the way. I think Fabricio takes it in round two. Hmm. Interesting. I don't until dad body dad body constrictor uh, proves me wrong. I will I will keep stepping up for the crafty old man because he always well unless he get unless he just gets turned off like the dude just finds a way. Like there's always a there's always a way as long as as long as his arms are still moving. Right. So, um. Yeah, I mean. This should be. I, I really hope it's. I really hope it's one of those. They take a couple shots. One dude sneaks another dude onto the ground, and then they they do their thing, and we see something. We see something incredible come out of it, uh, which it's entirely possible with these two. Um, I'm not convinced that they're. I'm not convinced they're not going to go out there and slug at each other though. Like yeah, not wanting to test the other jujitsu. Yeah, there's um, a possibility they might start throwing leather, but I think... Yeah. Which, and, I mean, could be fun as well. I mean, you said, absolutely. You said uh, Dad Body has okay hands. He's got... He, he, he can he can throw some leather. He, he, he can, can absolutely some slap he does, some leather. He doesn't yeah. mind. He doesn't mind. Uh, I hope this is a... I hope this turns into jujitsu chess stuff. <laughs> I would lo- I'd love to see these two just working each other back and forth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, until until... Until the the sneaky old man proves me wrong, I I gotta back up the I gotta back up dad body constrictor. I can understand that. Oh, this one, I, I'm excited because I really hope this just ends up as a just jujitsu match with punching. Right. Like, mm-hmm. To be honest, that's quite right. it. Now, the one thing that's not gonna happen, we are not going to see fucking. Oh, Alexi, give up a mount so he can get an Ezekiel jump. Yeah, not on Fabricio. No fucking. Not on a not on a high level black belt. That's not something that he's gonna do. He pulls that on people who aren't fucking who don't know better. That high level with their grappling, which is fantastic to watch because we've seen it a couple times already. But let me uh, sneak this on you. He, this is where I think it gets interesting because because somebody who has been removed because they're taking some 
unwarranted backwoods sips out of the nasty lake had to be sidelined for a while um that could come into effect here look you can drill all you want but until it's live action that's a whole different set of rules because you go from we're going 75 80 percent in the gym to holy fuck where did that truck come from there's a it's a whole different set of rules there I don't believe in ring rust, but I do believe in that different change of pace from training and drilling to full-fledged combat. There's right. a big difference there. Yeah. So I think that might be the only thing that could possibly make this lopsided, but I don't foresee it being lopsided because I'm pretty sure when the going gets rough, they go to what they know best, which is jujitsu. Right. And to be honest, I think it's going to be who gets a hold of who first it, when it comes to that. Because if Alexi hand any, any arm near his neck on Fabricio, right. that's over. He has one of the gnarliest fucking grips and just of anybody in the UFC that, period. And right? he's got giant fucking hands. If you've never seen, like, it's, it's very underappreciated, I feel, the size of of a person's hand in fighting much like basketball more so than most other sports the size of your hand legitimately will make a difference there's a reason why brock lesnar did great against guys that he should not have for any reason because his hands the size of a fucking mailbox literally and when a mailbox hits you in the face it tends to throw your game plan off a little bit that also works in terms of grip. That also works in terms of grip as well. If you've got a guy with tiny hands, it doesn't matter how strong his grip is. If your arm is big enough to break loose from his hand, don't make a difference. When a dude has mitts that will wrap around you like a fucking octopus and a steel grip to boot, good luck. Look, the other thing here, it's not just his grip that Fabrizio needs to be concerned with. It's his actual ability to cinch. Yeah. He has one of the tightest cinches. There's a reason why they call him the boa constrictor. Yep. Wiggle, wiggle some more. It's just going to get right. tighter. Yep. Things are just going to get worse for you. He's, he's learned the fine art of just cinching and just slowly taking Incremental the gaps pressure. out where your blood flow can go, yeah. where your breathing can go. Yeah. Uh, Fabricio is no fucking slouch either on his own. I mean, we've seen what he's done when it comes to jiu-jitsu. He's yeah. been around the UFC since, what, 2007, Seven, I want to si- say? 2006 or 2007, 2006, yeah. maybe? Yeah, over a decade. Yeah, but he, he, he's been in here. We've seen him time and time again do fucking fantastic things. To be honest, I don't care who wins this fight because I'm excited either way. Likewise. Don't get me wrong. I do have a soft spot for the boa constrictor for some odd reason i don't know why but i think it's because he looks like your average dad who's out grilling fucking brats every saturday mowing his lawn sunday morning that's right he he looks like the guy you go fucking hang out at with the barbecue next door yep maybe that's why i have the soft spot for it (laughs) but and he, either way, I won't be I won't be upset either way the coin right. flips. Right, Abs- absolutely, I agree a hundred percent. I 
I'm inclined to lead towards Fabricio because of what I've seen from following him through his social media during this time off. But again, at like just like you said, I would not be upset either way this one comes down because I like you guys, I feel that this is going to, knock on wood, hopefully default back to a physical chess match. Because like we've said, when the chips get down, fighters tend to default to what their base is. And both of the base for these gentlemen is jujitsu. I, I think we might see some leather to start it off, but I have a feeling this is going to end up being a physical chess match, and I think we're going to have a very entertaining fight to see. Dark horse fight of the night for me. Fuck yeah. But that brings us to an interesting one for the, air quotes, premier prelim fight on UFC 249. A rematch that no one really thought was going to unfold because there wasn't really seemingly a whole lot of reason to. And what's more than that, I think this might be one of the first times we have seen a fighter on back-to-back pay-per-view events. We are talking about Cowboy Cerrone coming off of his UFC 248 loss against Conor McGregor, coming back for the 249 fight against... Anthony Showtime Pettis. This could be... Well, no, I take that back. There was 248 with Adesanya and Romero in the middle. So he did skip one. Okay. I'm wrong. Never mind. Throw that part out the window. Anyways, regardless of that fuck-up that I caught in real time, because we're doing this live, Pettis versus Cowboy 2 is another one of the fights on this card like we've talked about in a couple others that doesn't really seem to fit in the prelim spots, especially considering the first match on the main event, which we're not going to talk about because that fight doesn't fucking exist and should have, for all intents and purposes, been swapped with this fight. This is (laughs) Cowboy coming back off of a week where we've seen the interviews where he talked openly about not showing up against Connor, knowing two days before that fight, Donald was there and Cowboy wasn't going to make it to the fight that this was not going to go down the way that everybody wanted to, but he had no way out because he signed the paper and that means you got to wake, you got to make the walk. And that's the kind of guy Cowboy is. He knew two days out, this was not how it was going to go. This was not going to go well, but he signed the paper. So he took the fucking walk anyway and he owned it. He ate that fucking loss. And he went back to the ranch and he went back about life. Well, now he's back and he's back to avenge try and get that loss off his shoulders, shake loose of the funk that that Connor fight had him in, get back against the Wheaties guy. And furthermore, Cowboy has already said that regardless of how this turns out, as soon as the night's over, he plans on calling Dana and saying, hey, you got anybody ready to fight on Wednesday? Because I'm already here and I got the RV. I'm not going anywhere. He wants to be the first guy to fight on all three he wants to fight on 249, then on Wednesday night, then again the following Saturday night on the 16th. Regardless, he wants to fight three times in the week. You fucking gotta love Cowboy, man. You gotta love fucking Cowboy. Who else but Donald fucking Cerrone would not only be excited to fight at 249, but use it as an excuse to try and get extra fights in during this crazy moment of catch-up that we've got from the UFC. Now, I will say this. Pettis has a toolbox. 
I don't fucking like him. I think he is too cocky for his own fucking good, and I think he's the least talented Pettis brother. But he has a toolbox, and we have seen him use it in interesting ways at interesting times. But I feel like he's at a weird point in his career where he doesn't know where he fits in anymore. He's not sure if he can still do 55, but he doesn't think that he wants to stay at 170, which makes sense when you see some of the bigger guys at 170 compared to him. But then you turn around, this fight's at 170. We're going to get Cowboy versus Pettis at 170 this time. So Cowboy's going back to 170 to prove that it wasn't a fluke against Connor because Cowboy's done pretty good at 170. Pettis has done all right at 170, but I don't feel like he's had as much of a test thrown at him as Cowboy has at 170. And we know that Pettis tends to lean more on his flashy shit. Whereas Cowboy doesn't really care much for that flashy shit. Cowboy sticks to his basics when he's not getting shouldered in the fucking face. Mm-hmm. Pettis ain't going to shoulder him in the fucking face. Pettis doesn't want to get that fucking plo- close. Pettis is going to want to stay at distance. He's going to want to use his kicks. He's going to want to use his punches. He's going to want to use fancy flashy shit. I guarantee there's going to be a Superman punch in the first round from Pettis. I bet my fucking life savings on it. That's the kind of guy that he is. He wants the flashy shit. But I think Cowboy's ready for that. I think Cowboy knows that he can't fuck around. He can't half-ass it. He's got to come in here. He's got to be ready. And he knows that Pettis does flashy shit because he's already seen that flashy shit. I think we're going to see Cowboy come back looking good, ready, and focused. I think we see Cowboy show up next Saturday, not Donald. How many losses in a row has Cerrone got on the books right now? Um... Two. I think he's at got least two, two in a row. Yeah, it's at least two. So I mean, he. I know he he's got, got three. Three. Yeah, because there was Ferguson, Tony, uh, and then, Connor, uh, and then AG and yeah, Tony, ben Justin, Connor. and Connor. That's right. So, I mean, this is this is you know if you if you go down to Anthony Pettis and your cowboy, I mean, as much as you're beloved, like Dana has to take a look at you, right? Like the. It just has to happen. You lose four in a row. Like Dana's taking a look at you as much as he loved you. To see, you know, are you okay? Can you keep doing this? I mean, Donald Cerrone's going to keep doing it for as long as he fucking wants. Right. He doesn't have to stay in the UFC, but this is one of those fights where, you know, your your back is up against the cage if you're Donald Cerrone. Like, as, as quickly as this was thrown together and as quickly as the other fights that he's been in were thrown together. Because he just, he'll... Like Daniel Calm, he'll show up. Like he doesn't care. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So, but I mean, if he's mentally sharp, if he, if he's mentally sharp, there's n- there's no reason for him to lose this fight. There's no reason for for Donald Cerrone to lose this fight at all, um, unless unless he loses concentration, and gets caught with something flashy. Right. But I don't I don't think that'll happen. I think he's I think he's mentally in the game. I think he knows kind of where he's at. Um. As far as far as his career goes, because I mean he's not a spring chicken, certainly not spring no, chicken in the not year. Not at all. And he's been he's been loyal to the brand, but you can only go you can only take so many losses before you get looked at. You don't want to get looked at. You want to be that guy that Dana can call. So true. Yeah, I, I I'm going with Donald Cerrone just because I think he's I think there's more on the line for. Him. I think there's yeah. I think there's quite a bit on the line for him. I agree. I agree with that as well. You know, I don't foresee even if even if for some fucking ungodly reason he loses this fight, 
I don't think he gets cut with 100% certainty. I, I know. I'm not saying he's getting cut. I'm saying he's getting looked at. Oh, he'll get looked as not, at. As as maybe, not being, maybe not being that guy that Dana calls. It, oh, Dana will still call him because he knows he's going to answer. True. And this is something, in my own personal opinion, that um, I've thought about for Cerrone on multiple occasions. He needs to start doing the right thing and saying no on these short notice fights. He needs to get a camp in because you know what? He takes so many short notice fights. Don't get me wrong. He wins some of them, but he loses a lot of the short notice fights. Why? Because he's willing to fight. He, and I get it. You're a company man. You like to fight. So be it. But there's also days when, like you just said in the interview, you realized you weren't there two days out. It, you gotta take a look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, is this what I really want to keep doing at this point? He's set. He doesn't have to fight anymore. He can train people at his ranch and be plenty well off to still do all the fun shit he's doing. But in this case here, I just have to say this plain as day. I like Anthony Pettis, but I don't like him enough to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, And purely on the fact that what the fuck has he done lately? You beat Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson with the luckiest Superman punch we've seen in quite some time. Yes. You promptly got your ass handed to you by Diaz. You promptly got your ass handed to you by whoever the fucking last fight you fought was. I forget now because I'm a little agitated even thinking about this fight because, to be (laughs) honest, I don't think it should have happened this way. Cerrone could have had a much better fight. Look, the fights that Cerrone lost were top fucking notch fighters. One, he took a short notice fight with fucking Tony Ferguson. Which was fucking stupid because to be honest, in my own opinion, he was the legitimate next person to fight for the title at the time. I agree 100%. I completely agree. He shot himself in the foot with that fight. He never should have taken that. And then took the fight with Gaethje. Him and Gaethje are friends. Whatever. And Gaethje fucking animal. Bumped him down the list again. Bumped him down the list. But then they threw Connor at him, which was kind of strange in my own opinion, why they would match Connor and Throne up. However, it looked like it was panning out to be great, but then you see what had happened, and like he said, I wasn't there. Two days before the fucking fight, I knew I wasn't. I was there in body, but I wasn't there in fighter. You know. But to be honest, I think even on a bad day, Cerrone still takes this fight. Unless we see some one of Anthony Pettis's crazy, playful things that he does in the gym for fun type fucking head kick off the cage a la greatest highlight of all time for MMA. But nonetheless, I do have to give Pettis credit. He was a champion at one point. And Fortunately, we have not ever seen that out of Cowboy, albeit I think it should have happened on multiple occasions, but, you know, it is what it is. 
I still don't foresee this at this point in either one of their careers. Pettis doesn't win this fight. No, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. Um, I think at this point, the only real thing that they've got in common is that they both had a weird loss to Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Cowboy blew his nose when he shouldn't have and Anthony faked a wrist break that everyone found out about after the fact. That, And I think that's the only real similarity at this point that they have is they both ended up in weird injury matches with Ferguson. Yeah, uh, albeit both of them were on their way to losing that fight with Ferguson either their way. Right. So it, right. Absolutely. it doesn't matter whether they bitched out or did something stupid. Right. And they're not alone in their camp, though. Yeah, no, that's what I was going to say. But there's, yeah, there's there's good company in that ending up injured against Ferguson group. <laughs> that support group is pretty large. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing to be ashamed of. What, there, 12, 12, 12, 12 in a row at this point? Yeah, 12 in a row, yeah. <laughs> Dude's just get hurt when they step in there against him it, it ends up fucking weird but moving along from there that will bring us into the main card even though the first fight on the main card is fucking bullshit and we're not gonna talk about it okay the good. second fight Excellent. on the main card is interesting we're gonna talk about that one that fight is jeremy lil heathen stevens versus Calvin Cater. This is going to be the first set of fireworks for the main card. This is Tiny Platinum Mike Perry against Calvin Cater. It's going to be interesting. You've got a guy that's got a good, well-rounded tool set, and then you've got Lil Heathen Stevens. you got a guy who knows how to get in and out of situations, and then you've got Lil Heathen Stevens. You've got a guy that's well-rounded as a fighter and a mixed martial artist. And then you've got Lil Heathen Stevens. This fight is Calvin Cater's to lose. The only thing that Stevens has in his favor is he has one of the most vicious right hands on the lower side of the weight scale in the UFC. Guys under... Middleweight, Stevens has got one of the strongest one-shot pops, I would say, in that classification. That being said, Calvin Cater has fought punchers before, and that's what Stevens is. He's a puncher. He's not a great wrestler. He's not a great grappler. He doesn't have jujitsu to blow his fucking nose at, but he's a hell of a striker. But Calvin Cater has fought strikers before. Calvin Cater has some jujitsu. He's got some wrestling. He's got some grappling. He's got some submission in his fucking toolbox. And he's quick on his feet. You've seen Calvin Cater think and react and change his game plan on the fly to adapt to opponents. Jeremy Stevens doesn't even understand that concept. Unless Stevens lands a one in a million bomb on Calvin's face, I think Cater takes this match without question. I think literally the only thing Lil Heathen has in his favor is a literal puncher's chance. And I don't think that's going to be enough. I, I, I agree 100% with what you just said. Um, like little, little Heathen, I mean, there's always that, there's, he always has that off chance. He always has that off chance, but he's going, he's going against, you know, kind of the one of those, oh, like prototypical this generation fighters, where yeah. you can do, 
you can do everything pretty darn well. You're not you're not a master at everything. Right, so you right. can do everything pretty darn well and hold your own with people at pretty much whatever they want to do and work your game plan. Um, whereas little heathen's just gonna he's gonna be swinging for the fences every shot. <laughs> so, yeah. So I mean, there's there's you could be going you could be going in for a takedown and something hits you in the side of the head and you're waking up in the hospital. Yeah. Like. Like there's there's off chances that things that things could happen in this fight. I don't think they're going to. Right. I've certainly right. I've certainly been I've certainly been proven wrong a lot, a lot. No. Right? Like like I'm fair I'm fairly com- I'm fairly comfortable saying Cater's going to win this, but I've been proven wrong a lot. So this could this could end in thirty seconds or it could go decision. Like there's right. no, there's no telling where this thing's going, and that makes it a very entertaining fight. Absolutely. I don't know what else to say that hasn't been said already, but if Calvin Cater is okay, let me. I'll play a heel here on Calvin Cater just a little bit. All right, go for it. If he's not smart enough to know the biggest tool in Jeremy Stevens' toolbox is that loaded right hand, then he's fucking retarded and he deserves to lose. But. I know that's not the case because he comes from this new breed of fighter that we're seeing where they study tape. They're pretty good at everything. Like you said, not masters of anything. But some of the deeper toolboxes that we've seen nowadays because they work everything pretty equally. I mean, don't get me wrong. We still get the occasional guy that's come up through the wrestling system, so their wrestling is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Or you, get the, or you get that odd BJJ guy that comes over and he's been working on his strikes and right. he lights a couple dudes up. You know. And most of those guys are few and far between. Look, Jeremy Stevens has been around for a long fucking time. If I'm not mistaken, he came in about the same time as Fabricio Verdun did. Way back in the day. I want to yeah, say it was like similar. 10, is somewhere between 10 to 15 years ago. It, yeah, but, because 10 years, well, if you think about it, 10 years ago, this year, was who the fuck was that guy? Because that was the press conference that he and Connor, or that, that he and Connor had their exchange, and he and Cow and Connor and Cowboy had that exchange. Same press conference ten years ago this year was who the fuck is that guy? Well, this hey, see, he's been around for a long he's fucking been, time. He's, yeah, he's been on press conference stages for ten years in the UFC. Yeah, and when he first started in the UFC. He was fucking fantastic, but he was oh, wasn't fighting the same caliber of fighter that we see nowadays. Absolutely, it's a completely different field. And to be honest, he just never caught up. He like he didn't stay ahead of the curve. He never or evolved. Yeah, far with the curve. He stuck with what worked for him, and now he's a one trick pony. So, yep. this is Calvin Cater written all over it. Unless Calvin Cater is, like I said, being stupid and didn't do his homework. Right. And see that gnarly hand coming. However, that puncher's chance is still there because he is one of the few guys in the featherweight division that have that capability to knock That's people out. Serious one punch, one punch power. The yeah. only other person that there was at that point would have been Conor McGregor, but he's no longer at fucking featherweight. Right, he jumped way up. He jumped up. Uh, we'll be lucky if we see him at one fifty-five. Right. 
I think right. realistically, I think the only chance we see Connor back at 155 again is if they give him the Khabib rematch. Other than that, I think Connor is basically 170 and boxing from here on out the rest of his career. Yeah. And I'm not mad at him. The yeah. dude did what he hey, needed he, to do. Yeah, no, he earned the right to do it that way too. So absolutely, you can't be mad at it. I don't know. First double champ. Yeah, in UFC at, fucking at history. So, I mean, but, yeah, it, this Calvin Cater's fight to lose, like you said earlier. That Jeremy Stevens, you've got, if we're doing percentages here, I give him a 5% chance to win because he's going to throw at least five of those fucking bombs during the fight. Right, yeah, you know that much. The betting odds are about, it's a, he's got about a 20% chance to win. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Sounds about kind yeah. of what we would expect. But from there... That will move us along to one of the most unique fights on this card. This one, I don't give a flying fuck what Vegas tells you. I don't care what mybookie.ag tells you. I don't care what fucking fan lads or whatever the fucking new one in the UK, lad boys, lad broke, whatever the fuck it is. I don't care what any betting site tells you. If anyone... Tells you either one of these gentlemen has a sizable advantage over the other. They're either ignorant or they're just dumb. Either way, don't listen. When it comes to Francis Ngannou versus Jairzinho Rosenstroik, there is no way to definitively say he has this and will be able to win or he has this and will be able to win. Francis Ngannou is quite literally one of the most powerful individuals we have ever seen in UFC history, period. Not heavyweight, not current era, in history, period. Scary strong. And then you turn around and you look across the octagon from him, and you're staring at a man from Suriname who at 300 pounds spent a decade as the world top kickboxer 300 pound kickboxer scary good scary Mm. good so you take a man who is incredibly strong and a man who is incredibly technical and then you put them both into mma where both of their strengths for lack of a better term both of their ideal attributes just get molded and twisted and sharpened and morphed into everything else that MMA brings with it because Jairzinho is so much more than a kickboxer now and Francis is so much more than just a strong dude with a punch now both of them are (laughs) such terrifying exhibits excuse me of what is possible when you take a man just shy of 200 or 270 pounds because 265 is the limit. So just shy of 270 pounds and you just compress him with greatness and compress him with greatness. And then when the time comes for UFC 249, you throw him out like a fucking Pokemon. We're getting two of those. Two gigantic fucking Pokemon who have been training their entire careers to destroy in very different manners but in very equal levels of terrifying. And they're going to unleash these two fucking titans against each other before any belts are even given away on next Saturday. 
I'm very excited to see this fight, and I have no fucking earthly clue how it's going to unfold. I know somebody's going to get punched in the face. I know a kick will be thrown. But other than that, I have 100% zero confidence in how this fight is going to go, and I have no shame in admitting that I have no clue how to even start guessing how it's going to go. All I can say, it's going to be better than Ngannou Lewis was. Yeah, uh, go for it, man. Go, go have at it. Have uh, at it. You're, wait, you're waiting to heal it up on me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, these two, these two, when they, when they, when these two started saying like, "Oh, we'll fight, we'll fight," I think all of us, all of us were like, "They're really gonna let them hit each other?" Yeah, they're gonna let this happen. <laughs> they're gonna let. They're gonna let these two get in a ring with each other. Like it's. It's crazy that they're letting this fight happen. Um, because, I mean, if there were people in the in the room, as they hit each other, like, you would see the, the wave of people behind them. Like, you would see the pressure wave. Oh, yeah. Like, knocking each other back. Knocking it's gonna people look, it's, Yeah, it's going to look like high-speed like footage of cannons. <laughs> ju- yeah, judges, judges holding on for dear life to the table, like, trying to observe who's getting the more significant strikes. And every strike these two throw is significant. Uh, um, so this is this is this is a party for for anybody that loves MMA. Like this is this is it's this is if this goes to the judges, these two oh, have shit. both taken a fight off. Yeah, that's the only way this goes to the judges. These two and they've done it in the past. So I mean, there's always an off chance that you wind up with a boring ass fight. I don't. I with all the hype coming for this event all the people that are going to be watching they're not taking fights off um there's a good chance one of them will gorilla press the other out of the ring like that's that's right. how ferocious it is to just throw them where the where the fans would be um but yeah this is this is going to be a lot of fun uh, if i if i had to pick someone i wouldn't i don't want to pick yeah. anybody in this fight because it either of them could just detonate on the other and that'll be it and that's at any point during the match. Yeah, like absolutely. if it goes if it goes three rounds, there's still a good chance. Like there's three seconds left in this fight, there's still a good chance one of them is going to knock the other out, or they're going to knock each other out. Could we have right. a double KO? That's the first that's double the, KO in UFC. That's a terrifying prospect. I just thought about that. If the two of them, full force, leaned in and just everything they had fucking drilled and caught each other. At the same time, it would look like that scene in Terminator 2 when the fucking nuke went off. Yeah. You would just see fire and death and skeletons being flung across playgrounds. Like, it would be yeah. insane. <clears throat> yeah. There would be the end of 249. No shit. <laughs> the end of Jacksonville at that. Yeah. <laughs> Turn Jacksonville smoking, into a nuclear a smoking, puddle. <laughs> there's a smoking crater where the Jaguars used to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this is this one's going to be a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. This is this is probably the fight I'm looking forward to the most on this card, just because I want to see what the hell happens. Oh this yeah, is, this is a really bad idea to let these two fight each other. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, my first thought when they made the fight was, oh, please don't let this be a Engano Derek Lewis show. But then I remembered, oh, Ngano was there, so he knows don't do that shit again because that'll get you fucked 
way bad because yeah. they had to sit down with the both of them. What the fuck are you two doing? But uh, no, both of these guys can literally put people into orbit or make their faces explode. I mean, mm-hmm. or you know, one sends into orbit, the other when he comes out of orbit makes his face explode. Right. But um, <laughs> either way, this this has just knockout of the night written all over it it's coming in this fight i i will fucking put i will put money down on that right now that says this fight has knockout of the night one of these two bastards is sleeping i don't know which one (laughs) but one of them's going to sleep and it's the only thing that i think that might make this better which they can't do but it would make it better. Maybe throw Derek Lewis in there with all of them so they could have a little three oh, fucking triple threat match. Robots type thing. Oh, so Derek Lewis can throw that surprise flying knee again? Like, dude, where the right. hell did that come from? Oh, shit. Yeah, one of the strangest things you'll ever see in your life. But yeah, <laughs> that would be the only thing that could possibly make this fight any better. Like, to be honest, um, I could see this being the main event on this fucking card, period. Yeah, on 249. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like anything else that happens after this is meaningless. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, I, there's and there's no way to tell who's going to win it. I, all I know is, if you're if you miss every other fight on the card, this should be the one you fucking watch. Right. Because this is going to be the one where you're going to go. Did they really let those two fucking massive just fucking men just really do that? This is you're literally fucking cold war status right now on who's gonna fire first it's gonna be awesome also ironic counterpoint that i just thought about to the point that you made can we take a moment to acknowledge how fucking tough alistair overream is (laughs) francis Ngannou bent his head back no exaggeration go watch the replay bent Alistair's head back so hard when he hit him. The top of Alistair's head touches his spine. And then, I think it was about nine months later, Jairzinho Rosenstrike hits him in the face so fucking hard, he blew his cheek open. In both situations, a week later, he looked like nothing had happened. <laughs> he was giving competent and intelligent and articulate interviews a week after Nganu put him into fucking orbit. He was doing red carpet promotion in a tuxedo with no scar and his face completely healed a week after Jairzinho split him open. How Super fucking tough is Overeem? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got a tough one ahead of him too yeah I, I was gonna say and then now he's staring down the barrel of Walt Harris for fuck's sake on his welcome back tour Jesus that he's he's the look Alistair Overeem is the equivalent of Donald Cerrone in the heavyweight division fuck yep. yes he Fire is mad way. respect to the ream yeah yeah that's fine this fight's going to be fucking fantastic. I can't see. Yeah. Fuck yes. This is the most exciting fight on the entire fucking card, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I absolutely this is, agree. This is, this is Thor versus the Hulk. 
Yeah, like someone's it, it's, going down. Yeah, it's it's going to be some slobber awesome. knocking. <laughs> I agree. So from there, that will move us along to the kitty-sized portion of mash with a little bit of uh, sprinklings on top. That is the potatoes of the co-made event in this particular dish. Look at this, like the like the TV dinner little brownies. Yeah, like that's like that leftover brownie. Little tiny mashed there. potatoes. Like, oh, okay, yeah. there's still there's still something else going on. Yeah, like the little tiny mashed potatoes in the corner that you're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Except, that's exactly what this is. Kind of, except it would be kind of explosive mashed potatoes. It's, it's kind of really good. Well, and the sad <laughs> part is that these mashed potatoes, for no reason whatsoever, have gold all fucking over them. What I'm talking about here, if you folks didn't know yet, is Henry Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz for the bantamweight title of the world. Through all of the weird fallouts, injuries, non-injuries, rehab time, and then not required rehab time, on top of the reunion tour times that we're living in and the planning, unplanning, then planning, and then fall through of the secondary sets, we now have Henry Cejudo defending, and I use that word lightly, the 135-pound belt against Dominic Cruz, who is coming off of a a three-and-a-half-year layoff. I have to say... Probably not the most fan favorite fight in the division. In the times that we're in, living with the little options that we have due to travel restrictions, I think it makes as much sense as it can. And the fact that Henry, for whatever reason, could not just sit on the sidelines and keep his fucking mouth shut long enough to let this all simmer into a situation where we can get a legitimate fight. He had to rush. He had to rush. He had to get the fight. The date's locked in. He has to fight on this date. And it went from being Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo, who has only had one fight in the bantamweight division and lost it, but was still getting the title fight against Cejudo, to now we are getting Henry Cejudo fighting the 135 belt against a man who hasn't fought, period, in almost four years, getting a title fight as his first fight Mm -hmm. back. Nothing about Henry Cejudo's reign, and I use that quote with air quotes, use that term with air quotes, reign at 135 has made any kind of sense. He took the belt that was vacant in a fight that didn't make any kind of sense in the way that Marais reacted. He still got the 25-pound belt somehow off a controversial fight that somehow he got gifted the belt in. Now we're talking about one of multiple different people he opted to fight against to defend, and again, I'm using that word very loosely, the 35-pound belt against in Dominic Cruz, who... For all intents and purposes, much fucking respect to Dominic Cruz, the guy who has made essentially half of his career just about proving the fact that ring rust isn't real. But, again, there are multiple guys who are on active 
win streaks and validly deserve the title shot at 135, sitting on the sidelines wondering why the fuck we are watching Henry Cejudo go down a list of literal undeserving individuals to title defend against instead of anyone in division on a win streak validly waiting in the wings for what should have been their turn already. That being said, there's still a lot to unpack in this fight because there's no way to tell what dominant crews we're going to see. It's been three and a half years and four surgeries since we've seen Dominic Cruz strap the gloves on and climb into the octagon with his ankle socks. But at the same time, it's been almost a year and a half since we've seen Cringe Hudo lace the gloves up because he had a pair of surgeries on his shoulder while he was out and talking shit the whole time through recovery. So we don't really know what Henry we're going to see either because he has not posted shit in terms of behind the scenes or in terms of uh, training videos or, you know, what his preparation has been leading up to this. So we really don't know a whole lot about what condition Henry's in to begin with. The one thing we do know is that Dominic has posted plenty of videos of him back in the gym very seriously preparing for this fight. And to his credit, it very, very much looks like we might see the Dominic Cruz of old so much as his body will be able to provide that. Um, if all goes as we've seen, as much as we have seen so far, I think it really does favor Dominic Cruz. Um, <laughs> if you follow the MMA math trail, it favors Dominic Cruz. The only way where this really looks better for Henry than it does for Dominic in, is in the fact that Henry has been active more recently than Dominic is. And even then, again, we're looking at a guy who hasn't done anything in a year versus a guy who hasn't done anything in three and a half. So neither one of them are coming in here fresh. But I think, based on what we've seen of the two of them, this is still Dominic's fight to lose, in my opinion. I 100% I agree with you. Um, I mean, the last time we saw Dominic Cruz, I mean, he was still one of the one of the best in the world. Yeah. Like, the last time we saw him. And we know things got really, really, like, really, really bad and really, really dark for him during the last three and a half years. Like, there was points where he was like, can I do this? Can I come back at all? And, yeah, so it's, this is, uh, this is, I, I really believe this is his, his fight to lose. I mean, he poses plenty of problems for, for Cejudo. Like, his, ga his game is tailor-made to take Cejudo down. Oh, yeah, and um, fuck up what he can do on the feet as well. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, this is, he should win. He should, he should, Dominic Cruz, in theory. Right. In the, as, as far as this theory will allow us to go at this point, he should win this. And welcome back. Welcome back, Dominic right. Cruz. It's good seeing you, brother. You know, you're, you're, a hell of a, you're a hell of a fun fighter to watch. So, you know, I, I, I mean, he's not going to be, he's not going to be calling out people that are, you know, been laid off for three years, two years, injured, can't take the fight. He's not going to do that. No. Um, but, I mean, as things... When Suhudo did start calling out people, 
like this it felt like the ufc was kind of guiding him through this yeah um, kind of steering him towards some safer bets like, hey, yeah like dominic cruz is ready to come back how do you feel about fighting him and he's probably yeah. like no he's like well we're gonna give you a bunch of money right okay he's been out for almost four me, years and we'll pay you a lot for it <laughs> yeah we'll give you we'll give you some money will you fight dominic cruz now okay um yeah, I mean, as the call-outs were going out, it was as thing, you know, you could tell that the UFC was kind of scrambling behind the scenes for fights at, at different weights and um, people who were willing to come out and fight. Because at the start of this, a lot of people were like, no, I'm not com- I'm not coming out of my apartment. Yep. I'm be there's there's my still a lot of people. Fans. Yeah, there's still a lot of people yeah, there's who still chose a lot of to people. stay and not opt in for any of these three events that we're talking yeah, we, about now. Yeah, and we had, yeah, we had, we had one of the top fights for the night fold. Because despite what they're saying, I, I honestly believe she doesn't want to come out for it. I, I agree. I agree. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't blame them. And, you know, Dominic Cruz saying, sure, I'll fight. I'll fight. You know, good. Good on you, Dominic Cruz. I hope you're I hope you're the guy that I remember. I right. hope you I hope you're that dude. I hope you're just all over the ring. You've always got that. Cra- you've always got that crazy movement. And everybody's like getting fucking hypnotized by that shit. It's. You're a fun dude to watch, and oh, yeah. I hope you. I hope you are the guy who I remember you are. Four years is a long time. It's a long time, and if you've lost a step in your game, Cejudo's going to take advantage of it. Four years, and, and that's where that's where you that. lose that fight. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. This is this is Dominic Cruz's fight to lose. So, like, welcome, welcome back. Glad you got your belt back. Keep going. Right. Let's see where you. Let's see what. Let's see where your. Let's see where your asteroid crashes, brother. <laughs> Uh, this fight for me makes entirely no fucking sense at all. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Like the only reason it makes sense in the least amount is because they needed something to backfill. That's it. And well, Cejudo likes to run his fucking trap all the fucking time to fuck everything from trying to call it a woman's fight to fucking. A guy who's been laid off for four fucking years. Oh, don't me wrong. We've seen a lot of Dominic Cruz, but it has not been in the gym lately. It's been behind the table commentating fights. And don't me wrong. He's still training. There's plenty of footage out there of it. However, I don't know how ready he is for this fight. And I hate to play the fucking heel here, but if you've watched any of his social medias, He's doing a lot of fucking posting. And it's not him training. It's other people showing off their footwork. Because everybody wants to have his footwork. Look, he does have the best footwork, in my opinion, in all of MMA. He literally can hypnotize people with the way he fucking moves. He caught, in my case, in my own thoughts here, he caught... Cody Garbrandt on the highest high of his entire fucking career. That's why he lost the belt. And what's happened since then? Fucking nose dive down into a massive explosion that is a pile of Cody Garbrandt smeared all over the pavement of I-95. But he lost one fight. One. That was it. And then we haven't seen him in how many fucking years now? Mm-hmm. Four years. Three and a half, four years. Interesting. I I really hope he is the fighter we know, not a shell of what he used to be. 
because with that much time off, that's a lot. Like, I'm not a fan of the idea of ring rust, but this is fucking ring rust. When you've been out of the game that fucking long, there's got to be some sort of rust. However, we've said this in the past about him because he's had layoffs for injuries before that right. year, he's year and a half sometimes, which is why his record, yeah, if you're looking at his record, he's what, 18 and one? That yep. one loss is to Cody Garner. Yep. That's it. And he and took that three was years the, off before he fought Cody. Yeah. So we've seen these multiple year layoffs where it, it doesn't always play out bad for him because he's had multiple year layoffs prior to that fight even yep. and still came back and, and dominated. Okay. Yeah, been absolutely okay. Absolutely. So I think what he caught was he caught Cody Garbrandt in the peak of Cody Garbrandt's career, which in all rights, Cody Garbrandt was fucking amazing in that fight. Right. But, well, and, and to be fair, Cody Garbrandt had way more to prove and to lose in that fight than Dominic did. And I think it showed it, I think it really did show in how well Cody did oh, perform that one time. And this is, I think this is where I have to give the check mark to Dominic here. As much as I'm giving him a lot of bad negatives here, he's got a lot more to prove right now than Zahudo does. Yes, he does. Zahudo's just fucking yapping at his mouth. Cause that's what he does. Cause in, for some ungodly reason, the UFC has not put him up against, a, in my opinion, a qualified fighter. I agree. I agree. Well, and um, and, they, and to your point, in the results of this one, if Henry loses, he lost to a guy that's been out for four years. But if mm-hmm. Dom loses, it proves that he should have never come back, that he has to retire now, basically. And not even that, necessarily. Or at, at least that's been what out it will that appear this, this is a tune-up fight. Yeah. Okay, whatever. You got a tune-up fight for the belt. Okay. Next fight, fucking, let's say, top 10 contender. I won't right. say fucking top five if he loses it, but if he wins it, this just goes to prove that Cejudo's fucking been garbage, yep. and nobody in the UFC has given him a fight that's worthwhile. They're letting him pick his own shots. So that way he can retain the belt because it's good for their pocket when right. you have an Olympic gold medalist, which he's my fucking yeah. hats off to Henry Cejudo for that. That's a tough feat to pull for anybody. Right. Absolutely. But they're using that as an extra money grub. So we'll, we'll just keep feeding that fucking ego and give him some just fucking fights that we know he's going to win. Although, to be honest, I thought he lost his last one and the one before that. But, you know, whatever. This might be that time where we know Dominic Cruz can finish people. We've seen it. I'm hoping this is that time because you know what? What a way to welcome back the fucking king of the, the fucking that division. Right. I'm he just, Bantamweights is back with a fucking exclamation point and he ends the cringe. That would be the icing be on happy. the fucking cake. You know, I'd be I'm, real happy for that as well. But, Not going to lie. <laughs> I have a hard time thinking that's going to happen just because of the time off. And I don't want to, and I don't, I'm not throwing shade at fucking Dominic Cruz at all. Right. Absolutely. Just he's honestly one of the greatest at that fucking weight class that there's ever been period. He is the greatest at that yeah. weight class. He's, yeah. He's, he's probably one of the best Bantams ever, but I, I agree completely at the same time. 
there's something to be said for a guy who has almost made more of his career in the time he's been off due to injuries than the time he's been in. I mean, either way, if he wins, it's a win for all of us. If he loses, it's still a win because you know what? We're still going to get to listen to him commentate, and he is a fantastic fucking commentator in my opinion. Very true. One of the best, I would absolutely say. Yeah. When him and Rogan are together. Oh, fuck yeah. Fucking, it's fantastic. Yeah, the level of knowledge when him and Rogan get flowing is fucking just enjoyable to fucking watch and listen. To be honest, if I'm going to give a a flip on the coin here, I'm going to have to give it to Cejudo just because of the time off. And I hate to say that. I really fucking do. I, it makes me want to pour Clorox down my throat and kill myself for saying it because, to be honest, the kind of person that he has turned into yes. is the kind of human trash that I don't want being the face of a company. Like, when, like if you go back for Cejudo and you look at his career as far as wrestling is concerned, he was the epitome of a stand-up human being. He came from fucking shitty humble beginnings like you go back um watch his olympic victory where rulon gardner is sitting there commentating along with i forget the other commentator's name at the time but they were talking about how he grew up the dude didn't have a bed of his own until he was like fucking at the olympic training center right that's your whole fucking life at that point he was what was he 21 years old. 21, 22, yeah. 18 years old when he went to the Olympic Training Center. I'm going, it's fucking crazy. And now that he's gotten a belt and then won another one uh, different division belt, and for those of you who got the belt, yes. there are the air quotes here because that's allegedly, I think, which right. was a big crock of shit. But either way, he's turned into a fucking terrible human being since then. Just terrible who calls out a fucking woman to fight a woman what the fuck is wrong with you dude you've completely lost your shit i really i don't want to see him win it but i think he's going to i really want dominic cruz to win i'm going to be pulling for cruz the entire fight i'll say that but i really think as much as i hate to say it i really think cejudo wins this fight I think I'm there with you. I, I absolutely fucking hate to even contemplate the possibility of Henry fucking winning, but it's just, it. as much as I like Dominic and I have mad fucking respect for him, it's hard for me to see him after four years out, after three years out on top of that. Like, at this point, he's just, and I get that he's been training, but like you said, training is not fighting. Training in the gym is not the same as fighting under the big lights, least of all, in the co-main event of a fucking pay-per-view for your first fight back in four years. I I hope I'm wrong. I'm absolutely pulling, and I will be pulling for fucking Dominic the whole time, but I, I think you may be right. I think we might see Henry have just a little bit too much, but we'll have to tune in for that to see. But that will bring us to 16-ounce porterhouse. That is the main event of the evening now it's not the main event we want it's not the tomahawk that we've had our eye on for so fucking long that they showed us right until they turned the grill on and then they swapped it out with the 16 ounce porterhouse that we're gonna get which to be fair is still a nice steak 
It's still going to be enjoyable. It's not a total scrap piece of meat. It's just not the steak that we were excited for. It's not the steak they showed us. It's not the one we saw on the menu when we wanted to order. But it's the steak we're going to get and we're fucking hungry, so we're going to eat it. What we're talking about, if you haven't caught on by now, is Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje for the interim lightweight belt at the main event of the now booked, unbooked, rebooked, and then second time scheduled UFC 249. Now, from Jacksonville, Florida. With no crowd. This is going to be a weird fight. Probably more than most people realize. For one reason above all else. Two weeks ago, we were supposed to see For the fifth time it had been booked, Tony Ferguson versus Khabib for the 155 belt. As you likely know by this point, the MMA gods have deemed us not worthy of ever seeing that fucking fight. So Khabib ended up getting quote unquote told that he needed to go to Russia and he ran away and is now incapable of coming back in time for the fight to be made. So in the interim time, pun intended, they've decided to give us the opportunity to see Tony Ferguson make history once again in possibly the most Tony Ferguson way that Tony Ferguson could potentially make history this coming weekend by being the first person in UFC history to be successfully crowned the interim champion twice without ever having touched the actual belt. This fucking fight is so weird. Justin Gaethje has basically dumb-lucked himself into the number one contender status right now. The current state of things being as they are, Khabib hiding in Russia like the bitch that he is keeping the belt out of play, Dana at least had the common sense to see where we are and deem this an interim belt to show the significance, to prove that the winner of this will be fighting Khabib to unify the belt. The problem is Tony's already been down this fucking road once. We watched Tony fight to get the interim belt the last time and he never lost it. He didn't fight and lose the interim belt. He didn't fight for the belt itself and lose. He was injured while holding the interim belt and the division moved on while he healed. He was never technically stripped of the interim belt, but it wasn't in play any longer when the champion came back and went back to fight. So it was kind of negated. So now we're at a point where Tony Ferguson becomes the first man in UFC history to have a chance to get the interim belt twice without ever even having a chance to unify it with the belt that it's the interim of. And what's worse than that, now we're looking at Tony fighting for the interim belt when he was scheduled again to fight for the actual belt against a guy who hasn't even been in the conversation of the top five at lightweight, period, up until... Like I said, he dumb-lucked himself into the conversation through 
no strategic move of his own through legitimate dumb luck and UFC scheduling. Now we have arguably one of the most dangerous guys at 155 versus one of the dumbest guys at 155. Tony Ferguson is dangerous anywhere the fight goes. If it's standing, he's beyond unorthodox. He's just strange. If it goes to the to the ground, Tony Ferguson is a 10th planet wizard. He is a jiu-jitsu dynamo, quite literally, professed by his teachers to be one of the baddest in the 10th planet system. There's nowhere this fight can go that Tony's not prepared and a badass of the technique that would be required. The problem is the guy they're putting him in there against is one of the best literal examples of too dumb to quit. Justin Gaethje embodies that old school slugger. I will go out on my shield mentality. And we have seen it time and time again. He has quite literally been punch drunk and just twisting his body to get his arms to move so it looked like he was still in the match and landed the lucky shot to get the win he has been beaten with everything but the kitchen sink and not been stopped that being said i'm a firm believer the best that justin gaethje had to put out we saw in the world series of fighting before he ever even got to the UFC. Not to say that he hasn't earned his way through the UFC. He has absolutely gotten his victories while he's there. Credit where credit is due. But if you look at the fights he has put on in the UFC versus the fights that he put on in the World Series of Fighting when he was legitimately one of the top stars in the world, it's not the same caliber fight. Not the same caliber fighter. I think good for Justin getting all the way to the fucking top here but i think this is where the ride ends my friend i think this is where you've had a wonderful afternoon take this nice path to the gift cart or to the gift store where they will give you your your basket to take home and your lovely parting gifts it's been a wonderful time but we don't want to see you again i think tony ferguson takes this and i think he sends justin back down the fucking list where he fucking belongs justin's at three fights in a row right he's one yes where Tony's at 12. Yes. I think he's hurt 12 people. I believe Were they... I believe everybody in Tony's resume on the last run has been injured in the in the fight. I think you're right. Yeah, in the fight. Um, you might be too dumb to, you might be too dumb to quit, but eventually somebody somebody is going to twist your arm off or break your ankle or just plain put you to sleep where you don't have an alternative. Right. And that man is the guy that you're walking into the cage with. Obviously, Gagey's got the pun- the puncher's chance. We can we can never rule it out. Fuck we can man. never Fuck rule yeah. it out. But he is thoroughly outclassed here. Um, you, we're talking about a, a guy who's in his he's in his prime, in his prime, who's won twelve fights in a row. And this will set up this will set up Tony versus Khabib in October. Is what I think I was hearing. October, um, yeah, November. Yeah, October, November for for Universal. round seven of this shit. Yeah. Um, shit. And this fight, yeah, the fight may never take place. May never take place. Tony has two interim belts. Does that add up to a title? 
Like, can he, can he duct tape them together and that's a full title? Right. I, I would totally support. I would totally support Tony walking around with a duct tape belt. Hell yeah! Duct tape both um, interims back to back like that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't see anything but a, anything but a puncher's chance. I don't see anything but a puncher's chance for this to for this to be anything but Tony Ferguson's fight. Like he deserves that fucking shot. Like he. There's nobody else in the division. Like, if there was a number one contender in the UFC that fucking deserves it, it's Tony Ferguson. Like, I don't care if he's the interim champ. He's my he's my champ until he's my champ until uh, Khabib comes and wrestle fucks it <laughs> off of him. That's the only thing he's going to be able to do is try and wrestle fuck Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson will somehow hurt him, right? So, because he hurts everybody, he's just that violent of a man right and i'm i'm totally okay with tony ferguson so tony ferguson go get your belt homie go ahead and play heel golf tee i'm not healing anything here because i'm stuck <laughs> with this fight alone period um look gaethje is good in his own right however i don't think he deserves this fight right now to be honest, they should have nixed the fight altogether. In my own opinion, there's no reason Gaethje should be fighting in this. The only thing that these two have in common is that they both beat the brakes off com- uh, off a of fucking cowboy. That's it. Okay, so that part's out of the way. It doesn't matter what Gaethje does. He hasn't, in my opinion, I thought he was about fourth on the list here in this division not where he's at right now where there's possibility of an inner now something that you said earlier tony is the only one who could have the interim belt twice and there's a little asterisk next to this have never lost that interim belt they didn't even give him a chance to unify it yeah they fucked him out of it and to be honest you know what that causes right here it's called a fucking chip there's a chip on that man's shoulder and i don't this is one other thing i have i'm almost 100 percent certain there's no way we see a fucking tony khabib fight this year no way i bet you we, if we we're ever lucky, see it? It, we, we might not never we may never see it he may forever be known as the interim king because they're not going to strip Khabib because they like to watch him wrestle fuck people. And it's, it's irritating. It's stupidly fucking irritating. Like, and as, as a fan, I'm upset at this. I don't care if Connor ever gets a shot at fucking Khabib again. That I give two shits about. That is by far the least of what I give fucks about. I think right. I think Connor probably doesn't give two fucks about getting a shot at Khabib again either, though. So to be hey, fair, hey, the only he'll, say, he'll say yeah, sure. He knows he's gonna make a fuck ton of bank for it. But True. for me, this is the epitome of what we should have going on in this division. You have the two best fighters in this division that are not fighting each other. Why? Why was this fight even scheduled? Put a different fucking fight in here right now. Like I said, this could be the 
and Ganu fucking Rosenstrike headline. Exactly. That could have been perfect for this. Hulk versus Thor. They could have mixed this fight completely and said, you know what? Ramadan's over at the end of fucking May. Guess what we're doing? You have June and July to get ready. We're running this shit in August. No. They got to come in here. We're money hungry because the Backstreet Boys reunion tour has fucked everything for everybody. Because that's literally what fucked this fight. Yep. Nobody actually got injured. We yeah, the first time we had no injuries. Injured. Yeah, I, don't, I think... And the odds that Vegas had put on this fight falling through, because as soon as they announced it, those fight those fight odds went, or the odds rather went up of this fight falling through. I don't think anywhere in the options of things you could have bet on for reasons that this fight fell through, global pandemic was in there. Yeah, which, it, to be quite honest, so fucking it's it's so irritating that they couldn't. For the life of the fans and the true king of the lightweight division have put this off until fucking August. But here we are at the beginning of May getting what we don't want, we don't need, we don't deserve, but it's the fight we've been handed. So... It's going to be a fun fight. Will. I will I will 100% agree with that. However, um, look, Gaethje has been in some wars and we know it. I mean, fuck, you can go back to his early days when he fought Nick Newell and that was a fucking war. That was a slobber knocker if ever there fucking was one. So Gaethje's gotten progressively better and we've seen that, but he's not to the level of Tony Ferguson better. No. As much as... As much as it pains me to say this, there's no one that has been at Tony Ferguson's level for quite some time, even when he was out with injuries. He's progressively gotten better, and he's the most unorthodox fighter in all of the UFC. So you don't know what's going to happen, what he's going to do, but you do know he is going to hurt somebody badly. They are going to go to sleep. They're going to be tapped out. He doesn't just fight. He finishes fights. Gaethje has been finishing his fights. I will give him that. But this is... You're comparing the fucking Roman Empire with a current military force. Old Roman Empire, don't stand a fucking chance. Sorry, Gaethje. That's where you're at. As much as I would like to say that he, he's got the puncher's chance. Everybody has the puncher's chance. But in all actuality, um, I don't see him coming in on this fight with any less than like a fucking... He's He's got to be a three-to-one underdog at least, in my own opinion. Yeah. Uh, it, Ferguson's on a whole nother level. The worst part of this is going to be is he's going to be a two-time interim champ. Will have never lost it in the first place. Right. And chances are he's going to end up that way because God forbid we make that fight again because we might cause the Black Plague to come back. Shit. Yeah. 
it's it's not just the MMA gods that are fucking this. It's right. everything. There's these two are they're literally the epitome. You see some of those science fiction things. We can't put this next to this or the whole fucking world explodes. Right. Matter right. antimatter. Matter antimatter. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what's fucking going on here. Guess what? I don't think for one second, even when Tony wins this interim fight, we ever see the titles unified. And guarantee they will not strip Khabib no matter how much he fucking runs. Yep. No, I, I agree completely. I don't I don't ever see we're gonna I don't ever think we're gonna see Tony and Khabib. And for me that is this is gonna be the greatest fight that never happened. Yeah. Like at this point, if for some odd fucking crazy reason they're like, Yeah, we're gonna do it this year, I'm I'm done. I'm done. I fucking give up. I we said it before when this was made. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt this time. Just this once. Backstreet Boys, fucking be damned, motherfuckers. Yep. Screwed it all up. But hopefully if we're lucky, hopefully if all of the stars align, the chakras are in order, and maybe maybe there is the fucking sacrifice of a virgin somewhere that this could possibly happen to finally get that to come to fruition. Somebody call Lando. Doubtful. I mean, (laughs) if anybody wants to be that sacrifice though, I'm sure there's somebody out there who is looking for it because you know what? Yeah. Apparently we need to pay somebody off, pay some God off. uh, Look, well, I mean, if Gats sold my fucking soul for that fight, as long as it happens this year, if Ga- if Gatsy wins, wins this fight and gets the interim belt, Khabib's coming out. Khabib's coming out from behind that iron curtain in like oh yeah, June. oh yeah. Like, and, show, and that's that's up, the fucked up thing about this. I agree. That's the fucked up thing about this is if Tony wins this, like we all anticipate him doing, based on history and fucking general knowledge of the fight game. If Tony wins this, it's gonna be next year at the earliest we even see a possibility of them talking about this being defended but i agree 100 percent. if gaethje wins this fucking fight we see a tweet from khabib sunday morning that says the day ramadan ends he wants to fight justin yeah oh yeah garen fucking t in fact i wouldn't doubt that if i won't say if when tony wins this fight you're not going to hear from Khabib at all. Yeah. I don't think so. The only people that are going to push for that are going to be Tony. And Possibly him. media. Look, I can I can see a couple of people in the media really pushing hard for it. And Joe Rogan. Right. Joe Rogan is a champion when it comes to fights that need to happen. He pushes for them, pushes for them. They don't always come to fruition, but right. he is a champion for pushing. He's, yeah, he's a very vocal cheerleader, though. That's damn true. Yeah, because not only does he work for the company, but he's an avid fight fan. He's a and, fan, first and foremost, yeah. Yeah, and that's what makes him great. But I just, unless this comes to damn near riot status, I don't think we get this fight this year. We'll be lucky if we get it next year. Yeah, I agree. But 
that's the neat thing about the fight game. It changes all the fucking time. And despite not having anything going on this coming weekend to entertain us, we've got 249 coming up next week. This has been our breakdown. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to give you another cram-packed episode because next week, so long as nothing crazy changes between now and then with 249, we're going to bring you folks our talks as least as much as we can with the information we've been giving about the May 13th and the May 16th events. But that is all we've got for this particular episode. So before we get out of here, I want to go around real quick and thank these gentlemen for coming along in the shenanigans that are the I'm No Joe podcast. So if someone needs just a little bit more info about where they could start looking in the PNW for Uncle Chael's hideout grain silo, how could they track you down after the show, Fresh 03? Uh, YouTube.com slash Fresh 03. Uh, Instagram, Fresh 0133. Um, fairly certain we're narrowing, we're narrowing down on, on uncle Chael's range. I'm fairly certain I've got it. I've got it down to about a hundred miles square and we're going to, we're going to start going in. We're going to start going in and start kicking doors in and ranches. If we find an octagon somewhere, we'll know that we're onto something. Damn right. So that's, that's, that's the master plan. We're going to head over to Western Oregon and we're going to start kicking indoors. Who's with me? I'm down. Who's coming? With me? I'm down. <laughs> thank you very much for your time sir always a great thank time you. to have you on always a pleasure and now if somehow at this point i don't know how they could but if for argument's sake somebody still hasn't figured out the best place to get cheese curds and a roundhouse kick in the green bay area how are they going to be able to get a hold of you and get that valid information mr golf tee Wednesday nights, right here, Golf D Vapes, 9.30 Central Time. And shoot me a message on Instagram. I don't post on there, but I do answer messages. And I'll be glad to talk shit with you anytime. Right, and then, watch, out, watch out for the heel kick. <laughs> no, it, it's a spinning heel kick, because I will do a 360 <laughs> on those sometimes. You got it. And then I will, once I'm done with that, I will take you to the nicest of dairy producing cheese makers here and get you some of those fancy squeaky cheese that you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much for your time, sir. Always appreciate when you're here to help us break down this shit. So that being said, that's all we've got for you fine folks this evening. So if you enjoyed what we did for you today, maybe give us a thumbs up. If we made you chuckle, brought some new point of view to you, subscribe. We try and do this every Thursday. If we really enlightened your point of view, if we brought things to you that you didn't quite understand until we helped break it down, share an episode of this. We're trying to grow this damn thing. But on the other side of that coin, if we're just a couple of dumbasses sitting in front of our cameras not knowing what the fuck we're actually talking about, give us a thumbs down. We earned it and we won't dispute it. But that being said, we're going to go ahead and call that all for this evening. So remember... Don't let ignorance stop you. You can vote for anything. Unless you really think that this whole fight island came out of nowhere. That the island just became available coincidentally. And in that case...
Good times that made us laugh. 